is lit the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question is the book really better than the movie i'm brian and i have a film degree so i watch the movie but don't read the book and i'm katie i have an english degree so i do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie so prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better so turn it up Settle in and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. May the odds be ever in your favor. It's The Hunger Games, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, a podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books, and once a year, we talk about a series of books that were turned into movies mm. during our summer series, and this is the first episode of our 2021 summer series where we are discussing The Hunger Games, uh, specifically the first one, which is called The Hunger Games, and the whole trilogy is also called The Hunger Games Trilogy. <laughs> But they change names after this first one. So uh, we're going to get into all of our stuff that we normally do for the summer series. If you're joining us uh, and you've listened to us normally, uh, the segments are slightly different because for the summer series, Katie and I both read the book and both watch the film. And then we kind of deep dive, break down all of the changes, what we liked, what we didn't. Uh, so it's slightly different from our normal format. Yeah, slightly. It still has most of the same kind of stuff, but we won't be doing Guess Who. Uh, we won't be doing Lost in Adaptation. We won't be doing Was That in the Book, but we will be covering all of the things that would normally be in those segments, uh, essentially. Um, maybe not Guess Who, I guess, doesn't. We don't really we don't have an equivalent. Yeah, we don't really talk a lot about like what the characters look I mean, like. I no, mean, yeah, anyways, it's not important. The point is, it's slightly different than our normal, but if you listen to any of our summer series before, very similar to those. So we're going to get into our very first segment, which is, let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So if you haven't read or seen The Hunger Games, surprised that you'd be listening, but <laughs> just in case, there's usually probably at least one person that that's the case for. Let's give you a quick summary of the Hunger Games. Hunger Games takes place... I don't know. They don't give a date in the future. Uh, not far into the future, In the not-so-distant yeah. future uh, in the United States, there has been a climate, cr cr climate crisis, uh, and we have uh, the country has devolved into a, a new nation called Panem, a new society called Panem uh, that has risen up from sort of the remains of of civilization previous again that that kind of fell apart due to climate change we ultimately find out uh some stuff happened there was a revolution at one point where the districts tried to overthrow the capital who is like the ruling the rulers of this new mm. nation uh after that occurred the the district that led that revolution district 13 was destroyed and every year since then they hold, hold a thing called the hunger games uh, where two people from each of the other districts, each of the other 12 districts, are brought to the capital to compete in a 
battle royale gladiator arena to the death until one of these kids remains from the age of the kids. The contestants are from the age of like 12 to 18 or 17, yeah. something like that. Uh, they all fight to the death until one remains. Uh, and then that person is crowned the victor of the Hunger Games. And they're like, you know, they get to live in a mansion and, and are rich for the rest of their lives. Uh, and this whole thing is broadcast out to the rest of the country as a reminder uh, of the the revolution that took place and sort of as a, a deterrent um, to keep the the other districts kind of in line. Uh, they provide they do these Hunger Games is again sort of like a we'll get into the what the purpose are and that sort yeah. of thing when we get into the conversation or into the actual conversation. Uh, and our story takes place where Katniss Everdeen, our main character, is. Her younger sister is selected for the Hunger Games from her district, but Katniss volunteers in her place, goes uh, along with Peta, uh, is a boy from her district. They go to compete in the Hunger Games, introduced to a whole cast of characters while they're there. Ultimately, they do compete in the Hunger Games, uh, and they create a relationship uh, as part of like the act of their... Because it is a big TV show, essentially. Yeah. So there, there's a, a big part of, component of the Hunger Games isn't just like the killing each other. It's the... the, the um, theatrics of the whole thing and so they've created this sort of star-crossed lovers angle for Peta and Katniss uh, which will become important important in later stories more more important in later stories um, but ultimately they fight through the whole Hunger Games uh, they end up getting down to the final few and it's determined or they make an announcement that oh there can actually be two winners this year as long as they're from the same district uh, and we finally get down to Peta and Katniss uh, as the final two and then uh, the capital's like, nah, we changed our mind. You got to kill each other. One of you's got to kill, you know, only one person can win. Uh, ultimately, they kind of rig game the system by threatening to kill themselves. Capital's like, cool, you both win. Congrats. Uh, but then, and then we wrap up sort of in the, uh, in the, like the, after the games are over, kind of discussing the fallout of this. We get hints at what's going to be coming next that the capital's not happy with them for the president specifically, but, you know, the powers that be aren't happy with them sort of manipulating the game in that way because it's a kind of an embarrassment, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's where our first book and movie end off is with this sort of impending um, threat of their lives probably aren't going to go smoothly after having won the Hunger Games, which it does tend to for most of the victors of the Hunger I mean, as smoothly as somebody suffering from incredible PTSD's life can go. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's that's where we end off. They win the Hunger Games, but turmoil is brewing. All right, so that is the plot of the first Hunger Games. Now, we're going to get into it. We really only have essentially three segments, plus a bonus surprise fun segment, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, which, if you listen to our Twilight Summer series last year, you'll you might have an idea of what that's going to be. Uh, maybe you won't. We'll see <laughs> when we get there. I feel like everybody who listened to our Twilight series probably remembers that bonus segment. True. So that bonus segment, we're doing a similar thing this year, but Katie's doing it. So we'll get to that later on. Spoiler: we're, Katie's going to predict the Hunger Games. <laughs> I don't know why I'm acting like it's a surprise katie's gonna try to predict the hunger game series because she has not read or seen any of these before uh whereas i have read them before so katie's gonna try to predict the hunger game saga but we'll get to that after the the meat of our discussion which is our better in the book better in the movie and the movie nailed it and the first one of those that we always get into is what was better in the book you like to read oh yes i love to read what do you like to read 
So we both had this note right off the bat that the movie opens up with these opening titles. Yeah, like text uh, on text screen. Text on screen opening, um, yeah, title cards that explain the world of Pan Am. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, like, the, like Hunger the Hunger Games, Games and what is. that all is. It's kind of like four, you know, title cards that kind of breeze through and give you a brief overview mm-hmm. of what's going on here. And I feel much preferred the book's version of slowly doling that information out yeah. over the course of the first, you know, quarter of the book or whatever. Yeah. It just felt very dumb. And it also felt really weird because we get within 10 minutes of the movie's beginning when they get to the actual reaping, we get like a PSA that plays yeah, from like the a Capitol. Little propaganda film that literally covers all of that information yeah. Again, in a much more interesting, in a much more interesting way. way. Yeah, and this was a hundred percent a studio note. Yeah, to add oh, it's, it's a total like movie thing to do is to have that text right up well, at the and, front that explains it, and it is, I think, an interesting choice, especially considering one, like you said, that not ten minutes later we get a little film explaining what it is, explaining the exact same thing. Yeah. But also they had to know that the majority of people coming to see this have read the book. And even if you haven't read the book, the majority of people at least knew the premise. You know what I mean? Like even people who hadn't read the book, I feel like would know, oh, like if you, you hadn't read the book or anything, I feel like you would have been like, okay, yeah, they, they draft these kids to go fight to the death in like a gladiator thing. Like, and that's basically all you learn. I mean, they tell you a little bit extra about the, you know, the, the potent, like the the re- revolution that kind of started yeah. and that sort of stuff, but that was very strange. It, to me, it was one hundred percent something that was clearly not in the movie, was not part of the film, mm-hmm. not part of the director or anybody's vision. But some studio exec was like, "Well, I don't know what's going on. Why don't you just? We need title cards, yeah. or people aren't going to get where that what <laughs> like what's going on." And they're like, you know, like in five minutes, we literally play a PSA that tells them what's going on. Well, why don't you do a title card <laughs> that tells people what's going on in the setting? It's like, oh, my God. Okay, sure. Completely unnecessary. I feel like maybe they, like, when they started, like, test screening it, there was, like, one really obnoxious person yeah. who was like, I was confused at the beginning. Yeah. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, they probably got notes. I was confused at the beginning. Yeah. I didn't understand what, you know, what was going on, why they were all going to the square, like, what, I didn't get any, it's like, well, yeah, you're not supposed to understand what's going on yet. It's called world building, like, it's fine. It's called storytelling. Yeah, it's okay. fine. But You'd be confused for a few minutes. It literally, it's not even that long, and it's so funny because it's the exact same information. Yeah, it's the same information. And it's even, like, a voice, it's not even like you could miss it, it's like, here's what's going on video. It's like in the first episode of Loki, where the little, uh, he gets to the place in the little like, uh, the they play the little, little information video. video. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, we don't need the title. Whatever, fine, sure. <laughs> uh, the next thing I thought was interesting in the book is there's a mention. Uh, we get some backstory about District Twelve and where they live, and Katniss is talking about the fence um, that sh- they sneak out of to go hunt in the woods. Yeah, and there's a mention of something that that the fence keeps out flesh eaters. And now, I was I didn't remember this. And when I was reading, rereading it this time, I was like, flesh eaters. And my brain immediately went to like zombies or mm-hmm. something. And I was like, I don't remember there being zombies or anything like zombies in any of these books. And so I was really confused. And then 
uh, it turns out that I think you're right. Yeah, because I just took that as a reference to, like, the dangerous predators and, in the area. And that's what it is, I'm fairly certain, because she does mention, but the way it's written, and the I, way I can't it's written, find I, I had to go back and find it, because I didn't, I didn't remember that. I, I, like, didn't even pause to think zombies at all. It never crossed my mind. Because yeah. they, they live in Appalachia. Yeah. Her district is Appalachia, basically. Yeah. So I took it like mountain lions, bears, wolves, yeah. any number of the other things. The exact sentence is, electrified or not, the fence has been successful at keeping the flesh eaters out of District 12. And to me, that the it, that it word is a little choice bit of is... An odd way now, to before put that, it. like a couple paragraphs before... Um, she says, in theory, it's supposed to be electrified 24 hours a day as a deterrent to the predators that live in the woods, packs of wild dogs, lone cougars, bears yeah. that used to threaten our streets. And then it goes on, like I said, a few paragraphs later to do the flesh eaters line. But for some reason in my head, I this time read that as and I so I went and did some Googling and I found a Reddit post of somebody asking the exact same question. Yeah. And it had a fair number of like upvotes. Uh, but somebody explained the same thing that it, no, it was just like the you know predators, like predator yeah. animals, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I was gonna say that it, I liked the idea of I, I, I had this in better in the book because I was like, if that becomes a thing, they left this out, and then I actually was wondering because the same person, the red person on Reddit was thinking the same thing. Like, I wonder if that wording, and then because there's another allusion to cannibalism later, like one of mm -hmm. the kind of, I mean, one of the contestants goes mad and like starts eating people after they kill them yeah. not not in this hunger game no, but like in a previous, in a previous. One. and i was wondering and we also know about like the 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 mutations or whatever like that the capital creates these like mutated genetic yeah like, they like genetically predators. splice shit yeah mm -hmm. and so i was like I, I was wondering if maybe this was like an abandoned plot thread of Hunger Some Games. sort of Hunger like Games used to be a zombie novel. Zombie creatures that hmm. she decided was, and I guarantee that's probably not it. It's just, yeah. Again, when I read it this time, it was very confusing. I, zombies would be a lot to put on top of yes. everything else going on in this story. I agree. That's why I was blown away when I read that. I was like, wait, there, wait, there aren't zombies. Never, no. And my note, my clue should have been that it wasn't capitalized. Because yeah. if it was like a thing, flesh eaters would have been like probably capital. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because all the other and it never comes and back. No, not they at all. They never mention it ever again. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, the other next note I had was uh, just a little detail line that, and I think it's just something that there's a handful of lines I have over the course of the book that are things that Katniss thinks or whatever that we get mm -hmm. sort of from the narrate, you know, the narration. Uh, and this line I thought when she's discussing the setting of District Twelve. Uh, and talking about the fence and stuff, she she says, District 12, where you can starve to death in safety uh, because their fence keeps out predators, but everybody's like... There's a whole section, which I actually had a note about. There's a whole discussion of how people routinely starve to death yeah. in District 12. And the movie doesn't... Like, it's clear that it's an impoverished right. area in the movie, but I don't think the movie did a particularly good job of getting across the fact that like people routinely starve yeah. to death here. Yeah. It's not it's, just like a poor neighborhood. It's like there's people that just don't eat like and die a lot. One of the first things that we do in both the book and the movie is catch up with. Well, we've already met Katniss, but then we catch up with her friend, Gail. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't put my finger on quite what it was, but I didn't think that their dynamic translated to the movie. 
to quite like what it was in the book. I don't disagree. And maybe it's just because we don't spend quite as much time yeah. with them. We spend very little time with them in the book, too, but a but little bit more. But they're more like, it's a little <clears throat> bit more, and they're more like, because we're in Katniss's yeah. head in the book, like, she thinks about, like, other stuff that she's done with him more. Right. Um, right. And, like, wonders she what he's doing. Yeah, she thinks more. about their relationship. And I'm not sure that that translated. I think that's one of the things that we lost by not being in her head. I agree. I think it does come across a little more like typically like love interesty mm-hmm. in the movie whereas in the book it comes across much more complex and and unsure. And yeah. again, part of that is because I think we we get to hear Katniss like her feelings of unsh- like not s- of uncertainty about like what she feels about him kind of and mm-hmm. like what the their whole thing is because uh, yeah she definitely views him I, I agree I think it's just it, it, it translates pretty well but it's and I'm, I'm interested to see in the future movies because obviously he plays a slightly bigger role in future movies mm-hmm. um, and in the future books because it yeah he plays a bigger role in, in the future ones because he just wasn't He's in like the very beginning and the very end of this one, and that's about it. But I don't disagree that I, I think it, it is slightly different, but I don't know how they would do it better without giving us like a voiceover. Of yeah, her I thoughts. agree. So, yeah. The book also mentions that her and Gail look alike, like to the point where they could be siblings, which I thought was interesting. I think they could. Uh, I think you I could mean, say I that about the movie. I don't. I don't. Could. But I mean, they're just dark-haired, pretty people. I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> they don't look particularly related, but they. You, I mean, you could. I don't know. Some siblings don't really look that much alike, so it could be. It could be fine. Uh, there's also a fact that they talk about how, or we find out that Katniss. Um, she she mentions that she used to like. She's learned over the course of her life to keep her opinions to herself because she talks about how when she was younger, she used to like spout off about politics a lot more Mm -hmm. and uh, got in trouble for it and stuff. So now she she is like much quieter and reserved and doesn't um, kind of, you know, put her opinion out and stuff in the same way uh, that she did when she was younger. And I, I I don't know how they would bring that across in the movie necessarily again. Because it's it's something she just kind of we hear right. her talk about, but or think you know. Yeah, you she would narrates have to, it to us, but you would have to do a flashback. Yeah, I think. But I think it is an interesting because because that is something that is one of the distinct characteristics of Gale is he is very outspokenly right. Well, at least antagonistic, with her, yeah. at least with her, yes. And she isn't as much with him. She, like, agrees with him and stuff, and she used to be more so. And I think there's even some... I don't know, because we don't know what how he talks about the Capitol and stuff in the wider world. Like, right. we don't know if he's spouting off. But there could be some interesting uh, gender politics in there if he is somebody who still feels comfortable being yeah. a little bit more outspoken but in like his criticism that he can, he can, that he get, can away get away with it. Yeah, that could be as a guy, whereas she is not able to get away with it in this society in the same way that he is. Maybe I don't know. I again, we don't ever find out like what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> when they're not together, we we get like literally two scenes of him in this book. So yeah, we we don't know. But I, I thought it was an interesting little thing that she was somebody who used to kind of 
mouth off and had it beaten out of her. So one of the first uh, big changes that they made in this movie was how Katniss gets her Mockingjay pin. And the movie, we see her buy it. Well, I guess they, the lady just gives it to her. She, yeah, she, as she's at, at, at the, like hub, the, the, the hub. Yeah, like the, the black market area. Yeah. And But in the book, she gets it from the mayor's daughter. The mayor daughter, well, after she is selected at the reaping, right? I believe that's when it happens. The mayor's yeah. daughter comes in and gives her this pin. And we this mayor's daughter is a character we set up a little bit in that uh, her name's Madge. And mm-hmm. she's somebody that Katniss isn't really friends with, but she goes there to trade. When, she, when Katniss is hunting, she goes to trade squirrels and stuff to the yeah. mayor. And so she interacts with the daughter a little bit. And yeah, the daughter gives her this pen. And I we both had this note of preferring the book's version of it coming from the mayor's daughter. But I but both understanding why they changed that. Because I actually had yeah. a note when I was reading. I was like, bet they changed that for the movie. Yeah. I, I understand eliminating another character and another interaction because we would have to see them interact initially. And know who she is and, and why, like yeah, like, understand why she matters. Um, but I do feel like the fact that she gets the pin from someone who is ostensibly in like the power class, yes. quote unquote, yeah. matters. Yeah. Yes. It's also one of those things that it, the movie, because we don't really know anything at the move, the mayor's not in the movie at all. And I don't know how much, uh, if any of a role like the mayor and Madge play in future books, I mm-hmm. don't recall. Um, but you get the inkling in this book that both the mayor and Madge are, while while being in positions of privilege as uh, relative privilege compared right. to the rest of the, the people, um, are not like are not capital lackeys. Like they're yes. not <laughs> they're not fans of the capital and and this whole situation, um, and are in fact more sympathetic to the uh, the people in their district. That are being, you know, kept in poverty essentially, uh, and and I think there is an interesting dynamic there that the movie misses out on by having mm-hmm. her just kind of find it. Yeah, and it's also our first inkling that maybe there is some kind of underground thing that Katniss and we, yeah. by extension, are not yet aware of. Not yet aware of. Yeah, I mentioned it in the summary. Summary that uh, the reason that we're in a post-apocalyptic, not post-apocalyptic, but a post potentially uh, current society. Post-apocalyptic-ish. Like, yeah. Uh, a dystopian future is because of uh, climate change, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's, it's made very clear early in the book. And it is kind of alluded to in the movie, but not as obvious. It's not as clear in the movie that the reason this has all happened is because of climate change. Whereas mm-hmm. in the book, it is very clear that that is exactly the reason that, <laughs> that society broke down and that we have Pan Am is because, um, there was a climate catastrophe essentially. Mm-hmm. And like, they lost a bunch of the coasts. There's a mention of like a lot of the yeah. coast flooded yeah. and, uh, on, on top of other, you know, things related to climate change. And I wish the movie had been a little bit more, on the nose with that. And mm-hmm. I, again, it's alluded to from my memory in the movie. Like it, there's some mention of something I mentioned, like, uh, doesn't the propaganda film mention like 
famine and disaster or something something like like that. that yeah i feel like there's an allusion to it but it's not like in the book, like I said, it's just very obvious that yep, nope, climate change just fucked everything. Like yeah. that's why that's why the society broke down and had to be like re uh, reestablished into this nightmare situation. Uh, so the book, I think, has a better, like, more in depth explanation of the reaping system, which yeah. very clearly favors the wealthy. Yes, here in District Twelve and in other districts, a little bit different because there are districts where you that are wealthier, where you have like volunteers yeah. and things like that. But it still favors the wealthy. Yeah, right. Oh, like it still favors it, the yeah. wealthy. Um, and the movie alludes to the tesserae. I yeah. guess is how you would say that tesserae. Yeah, which is right yeah. where you can put your name in additional times to get things like fuel and yeah. food. You get a tesserae for every time you put your name in the pot and that and each one of the and from what it sounds like in the book, each one of those tesserae or whatever is like an allotment of grain and oil and yeah. like x some certain amount of different um supplies that people need. You put your name in, you get a bundle of that stuff. Right. So the more times you put your name in, the more of that stuff you get. And it's right. explained that Katniss and, put her name in a bunch of times. And as we know, everyone in this district is starving to death. Yes. Yes. So. And even the stuff they get isn't that good. It's not like yeah. you get like, it's you know. It's like shit grain. Yeah. And, you get garbage wheat and like, and, and oil essentially to keep yeah. your house warm in the, in the winter. And, but yeah, it's not like they're getting like prime cuts of beef or something by yeah. like doing this. They're getting literally just the me- most meager substance or, you know, uh, stuff to keep themselves alive over the course of the year by, by putting their names in more time. And it is, again, the movie does. Yeah, the movie it. alludes to it. There's, There's uh, two lines, I think. Yeah, like the one I'm thinking of um, before Katniss has to leave, she tells Prim, Prim not to put her name in. Yeah, well, and she says food. she says to Prim before they go to the reaping, she goes, "Your your names, it's your first year. Your name's only in one time. You're not going to get picked." Yeah, again, kind of setting that up, and then yeah, when she's talking to Prim, she does say, uh, "Don't put your name in extra times." Yeah, Gail will take care of you or whatever. Yeah, so the movie like alludes to this idea. I'm not sure how clear it would be, but I'm to not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how clear it would be to anyone who hadn't read the book. Yeah, and it's such a good world building detail. Yeah. For this particular universe. Yes. And it's also one of the things that does a, a lot of legwork early on in building the, the thematic elements that this, this, I, the whole trilogy is going to be covering um, in terms of exploitation of <laughs> labor and yeah. and all that sort of stuff that, that is the, the yeah. thematic through lines of this book series, which is a deeply... Uh, how poor people are kept poor yes. and how that is used against them. Yeah. And how it's and how being poor costs more. Yes. Like it, it is, in fact, uh, you being know, poor is very expensive. Being poor is incredibly expensive. Uh, and yeah, it literally costs more. And, and in, the, in this universe, it costs more by, you know, literally uh, putting your your life into the into a lottery machine mm-hmm. that, that <laughs> where the odds are you'll just be murdered at the end of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, and it, yeah, it, I wish that the movie had been more explicit with that. Who knows? Maybe the future ones will get a little more into that. Cause I do think we'll talk about it more later, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that they kind of lean more into some of that stuff in the next stories. There's no explanation of the mocking Jay in this movie. Yeah, no. So the pin she has is a mocking Jay. 
and the the birds that sing at the, like that roost whistles and sings to our mocking jays mm -hmm. in the book we get an explanation of like what mocking jays are and where they came from and all that sort of stuff and i thought it was really interesting and i was really um because actually as i was reading it i was like oh this would be a really good idea because she tells us in the book um that her dad told her what mocking jays were like mm -hmm. he like they were hunting or something or something or yeah i think they were they were hunting and he explains what they are and demonstrates what they can do by like singing. Yeah. I believe is what happens in the book. Yeah. And so they, uh, the movie just doesn't go into it at all. And yeah. I, maybe they will in a future one. Maybe they thought they'd save that for again, a, a sequel. Um, but I thought it would have made a ton of sense that when she gets the pen, uh, this, my mind is when Madge gives her the pen or, mm -hmm. or, you know, however she gets the pen in the, in the movie is just have a brief flashback in that moment when she sees the pen with the Mockingjay on it. F brief flashback to that time with her dad hunting. Yeah, yeah. And him, to, because one, we get the explanation, but two, we also get character building for Katniss mm -hmm. of this, this di and her dad. Like, we get this right, dynamic with her dad. we, we don't get dad. any of her dad in this No, movie. and he's barely in the book, to be fair. Like, yeah. the fact that he's not around is a big, and like his death and everything is a big component of Katniss's character, but he's not. That's like the only time he's really mentioned, or we we get anything resembling like a scene with him is that mm -hmm. that that uh, her just talking about when she he told her about the Mockingjay. But to me, it made perfect sense to to take this and just show us a flashback with her dad and him telling this story again, because then we get to see their relationship and yeah. how like. And again, it just to me that's a very easy way to do some some easy character work and and character building of Katniss. Yeah, and then and we see them like in the woods and they're hunting and they're interacting. So now we understand that that's where that that's element where she learned how to hunt. From. Like yeah. it's just like so you can do so much legwork in that one scene, and it and, doesn't even have to be long. It's a, it could be a f less than a minute. Yeah, it doesn't have to be long, but you could do so much legwork there. Of you know you have a little uh, aside where she shoots uh, an animal and he and he says like oh you're getting better every day or something you know mm -hmm. like d so much you can do there to to establish so much character stuff and it's really surprising to me that they didn't do that yeah and again I guess maybe they're saving that for something in a future movie maybe, maybe. but it just seems like a real big obvious miss it was so obvious to me I was like I guarantee that has to happen yeah and it, it didn't and I yeah. Maybe they didn't want to cast a young Katniss. That was my only other thought is that because she, she, it would have to be like, she'd have to be, it couldn't be uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, it would have no. to be. It would have to be somebody, somebody younger, but she'd have to look yeah, pretty you could close. Just find somebody. I, I don't mean, know. yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be that big a deal. Maybe they didn't want to cast her dad yet. I don't know if her dad has any mm. more flashback scenes, and I can't remember yeah, anything about Yeah, maybe they didn't want to. Maybe they didn't want to commit to somebody as her dad. I don't know. That's a purely a guess because I don't think he comes again from my I don't remember almost anything about the books. Uh, but I, and I don't think he really comes up again other than in passing, maybe in mention yeah. of, of him having died. But so that's the only thing I can think is they didn't want to cast her dad yet. But I doubt that's the case. Just disappointing. So would have been so easy and so good. So after it is established that Katniss will be going to the Hunger Games, uh, she gets a couple minutes with I mean, in the book, it's, like, basically anybody who wants to come in and see her. Yeah. And she does talk with more people than we see in the movie, which I totally understand 
cutting some of that stuff. But I did like the more extended goodbyes in the book where we or where we talk to people like a little bit more. Um, I thought it was funny. The movie, they're like, oh, you have three minutes and then they get shoved out after like seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why even say three minutes if you're yeah. not going to do that? Yeah. And like, you know, it's not a huge deal. We still get most of the most important stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially since they cut, they changed how she gets the pen, and they yeah, cut we Madge don't we don't need to have Madge come. They, we don't really need to have the baker come and say. I was going to say her. that he would have been more interesting than, be, again, since they changed how the she gets the pen. Yeah, I, I think having Peta's dad come could have been interesting. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not really necessary. And I like I don't know if that's something that's relevant in a later book. Probably not. No? I don't know. I don't remember. I, I truly, I remember so little about the books that I don't know. Because it's not, it doesn't end up being super relevant that his dad comes and sees her in, no. in this book. No. I mean, they mentioned, she mentions it to him later on. Yeah. That her, his dad came. But, but it's it's not like something that weighs heavily no. on the plot or anything. No. Or even emotionally on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, we, we move forward and get to the, the train as they're being taken to uh, the capital. And there's their first interaction with Hamish, who is their trainer. And in the, it's pretty similar in the movie and book. But in the book, like, Hamish punches Peta, which I thought mm-hmm. was fun. And then Katniss, Katniss stabs the table. She does that in the movie. I just liked the antagonism in the book a little more. I felt like it was... I don't know. Something about the that way that scene played out in the book. It kind of plays out in two separate scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, and in the book, it's all like one big scene kind of. And I, I just thought it was, I don't know, more tense in the book. Whereas the, I don't know. I don't have strong feelings, I guess. I could just delete that. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> it doesn't, I, it's fine. I, I had a note about this later and I'm realizing that I should have moved it out of my general notes. So I'll talk about it now. But I think the train ride in the movie is pretty, like, tonally different from what we get in the book. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's not a huge difference. But one of the things that struck me about that the train ride in the book was that, like, like in the book, they aren't enjoying themselves exactly but it's obviously it's obvious that they're at least a little bit enthralled with all of the like luxury and yeah. the plenty. And there's the little bits about like them chugging hot chocolate, hot chocolate and just like and, stuffing and their faces. Yeah. Yes. I Which do, I didn't feel like we you, got in the movie. It doesn't come across in the movie. They're just kind of like they're just kind of like. Worried and upset. Yeah, which 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 is they are that as well. Yes, in the in the book. But yeah, you're right that that it does miss the. It's an interesting mix of things in the book where they're like, they're not happy to be there. No, but also they're like chugging hot chocolate. Like there's hot chocolate. Have you have you you tasted this? Have you tasted this thing? It's called hot chocolate. It's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I, I thought the same thing. I also thought that. And again, because we're not in Katniss's head, they can't really do this. But on the train, there's a scene where when they get in front of this giant spread of food, there's this little moment where Katniss looks at everything Mm -hmm. and we get this running little monologue in her head of her sort of taking mental notes of what she would have to do 
herself in order to to make an equivalent meal yeah. to what they're eating. And it's this big, long list of, like, labor that she would have to do mm-hmm. in order to have, like, the same kind like, she's in, like, in I'd have to In order to have something even remotely Even remotely close. close. And even then she says it would be, like, a poor, you know, like, a, a bad version of what they're eating. But she's, like, talking about how she'd have to, you know, kill an animal and trade... Um, I try to imagine assembling this meal myself back home. Chickens are too expensive, but I could make do with a wild turkey. I'd need to shoot a second turkey to trade for an orange. Goat milk, goat's milk would have to substitute for cream. We can grow peas in the garden. I'd have to get wild onions from the wood, uh, woods. I don't recognize the grain. Our own tessera rations cook down to an unattractive brown mush. Fancy rolls would be in another trade with the baker, perhaps for two or three squirrels. As for the pudding, I can't even guess what's in it. Days of hunting and gathering for this one meal, and even then, it would be a poor substitution for the capital version so yeah i thought that was a again illustrating another one of those moments in this in the early part of this book illustrating just the insane discrepancy between the lives that people in district 12 lead versus Mm -hmm. the lives that the the people in the capital lead um the people in the capital being you know the one percent here essentially uh it, it just like literal days of labor for her to make this meal that they don't even it's just every don't meal even is just eye every meal yeah. yeah this is every meal um and i just thought it was again a little world building not even yeah thematic moment mm-hmm. that helps set up some of the the messaging that we're going to be pushing through the rest of the series i would imagine um and we still get it because we get shots in the movie like kind of extravagant shots of them looking at like when they see the food there's like these yeah. kind of lingering shots of them like taking this all in and being like blown away by it but it doesn't it's not quite the same. Well, it's not quite the same and it it doesn't help too that the movie doesn't do as good of a job of letting us know that people regularly starve to death in district 12. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as meaningful. Yeah. I don't think. When we do eventually arrive at the capital, they they arrive on the train and we meet uh her styling team mm-hmm. essentially. And in the book, we spend, like, a, a little bit more time with the, like, assistants. Because her main stylist is Cinna. Yeah. Um, but we meet also his, like, assistants. Yeah. And I preferred them in the book. They're not really even in the They're not really like, they, even in the they're movie. they're in one of the meals they're in, or something. They're in or? that one scene. I think it's supposed to be them where, she, where they're, like, waxing her legs. Yeah. And they're kind of catty yeah. to her in the movie. And I preferred the book because in the book they were, like, super oblivious. Yeah. But kind of sweet yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Like, they were obviously, like, nice and, like, they cared about her in their own way. But they were also just, like super oblivious well and that's one of the things that i think this book does a a really good job of doing in general and i i think effie and from my memory effie is kind of the main version of that mm-hmm. um whereas it's 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 not just even the people in the capital most of them they're not like evil vindictive yeah. people they're just oblivious and born into the same they're born into luxury the same way they don't know how the other half lives yeah they're born into luxury the same way that well and they know to some extent but it's they're indoctrinated into this into society the same way that the people in district 12 are and everybody else is and it's not an excuse necessarily that they're not you know that the people of the capital aren't like pushing for better conditions for the other but there is at least 
I think some sympathy to the idea that in this book, at least it feels like it to me, to the idea that none of us pick our yeah. our our our, our uh, where we end up in life, and so it's not purely like on them to to like realize that like they they're also a result of again the indoctrination the system that yeah, they're born a into a product of their society yeah and i don't know I, again i yeah and i think you hit kind of hit the nail on the head talking about like they're not all necessarily bad like they're not evil right because you know even if you are aware of how horribly somebody else's living conditions are. I think when you live in a society like what we see in the Capitol, it's hard to fathom it. Right. I think you can know it yeah. in like a clinical academic way, but I think it's hard to actually grasp what that means. Yeah, and I think it's fair because I mean, you could even you could extrapolate that. Like, it's easy for us, you know, as to and for or for a lot of people uh, to to kind of extrapolate that out to okay. So this is there the capital people are the one percent. I said mm -hmm. that earlier, and you know they're the people that are uh, living this wild lap of luxury. And while there's tons of people out there who uh, huge swaths of people, just narrowing this to the U.S. currently who, uh, you know, live in poverty and star literally do starve to death and stuff every year. Um, and so you can look at it that way. But it's also, if you expand the scope beyond America, we become the people in the capital and the yeah, global absolutely. south become the people from District 12. So me and you literally are are the people in the capital who aren't evil and who, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can expand that scope out, and then all of a sudden, the people who are exploited in other countries to produce the fucking trinkets we buy, and you know, we we we're aware of that at least. But we don't. Yeah. What are we act? What are me and you actively doing to fix that? And fucking trying to vote for the right people, but even that, it's not. You know what I mean? So I, I, I you yeah. know, I think you can you can look at it multiple ways, and I, I. But I do think there's at least that angle to it that it's yeah. When you're part of that system, and it's it's in. I don't know. It's very complicated, and it's... We'll see, because, like I said, from my memory, Effie's character makes a journey in these, yeah. <laughs> in these books. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the kind of through lines that we should keep track of is, is what, what, what is, what is Suzanne Collins saying about the people of the Capitol? And by the end of the series, mm -hmm. what, you know... Where do they what, end up? What conclusions What's, can yeah, we draw? Yeah, what conclusions can be drawn from that? Uh, so it's mentioned in the movie that they have wild showers. Peta mentions it in his interview with Caesar, but we get we get to actually see it in the book. I say see it, but we get to read the descriptions of it in the book. Visualize it in our mind's yeah. eyes. And, and, and of these fancy showers they have that like spray millions of jets of water in different yeah. you know directions and then like different all kinds of crazy shampoos and, and, and soaps and all this sort of different stuff. And then they have a wild electric hairdryer that I imagine from what it sounds like is if you've ever been to like a science museum and you do the thing where you <laughs> where put your, you hand, put your on hand on, the, on ball the ball and your hair stands up, <laughs> that's, that's what it's described as. And it, yeah. It just automatically dries your hair and, dries then it, like, and untangles. settles into perfect yeah. waves yeah and they had that's like what the hair dryer is described as in this book series and i was disappointed we didn't get to I, see I know that. there were little things here and there that i so wish 
the movie would have portrayed. Yeah. 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 The fancy shower and hair dryer would have been cool to yeah. see. Uh, so this is kind of a big, relatively big cut from the movie, mm-hmm. at least, especially I'm going forward, I feel like. this comes up in maybe the next movie, maybe I would think it would have it. to, but maybe not. Um, so there's this character in the book, and she doesn't have a name. She's the yeah. red-headed Avox girl. Um, and Avox are people who have been um, essentially become slaves of the capital, uh, had yeah. their tongues cut out. They're like usually for treason. Yeah, they've been convicted of treason. Yeah, and they get their tongues cut out, and they end up essentially being servants in the capital, slaves in the capital. Uh, and we're and one of these is a character that Katniss uh, is a girl that Katniss recognizes, mm-hmm. and we had this whole flashback of her remembering this time she saw this this guy and this girl running through the woods, um, and they didn't do anything to help them. They didn't know what they were doing. It was random people yeah. running through the woods. And then the guy ends up getting killed and the girl gets captured and taken away by a hovercraft. And Katniss is like, Oh, that was her. And they explain like Hamish and them explain that. Yeah. She, she was convicted of treason, blah, blah, blah. Um, don't, don't say, you know who she is. Like, that's not a good <laughs> thing to say. Um, and I was, we do see her in the movie. Yeah. She's in the background. Yes. In several scenes, I assume that's her. There's a redheaded girl who's got like white face paint and is is like part of the wait staff, clearly. Yeah. And and I don't know. I'm hoping that they retouch on that thread like yeah. in the next movie, maybe. I'm thinking they will, because, it, again, this is one of those moments where it feels like very clearly setting the breadcrumbs for. This underground Right. Um, you know, a potential revolution that's kind of building, yeah. fomenting. Uh, and now we don't know if she would have been part of that or if she was just running. For, like, because, again, they were run, yeah. like, we don't know. If we don't she know was, what their their story is. Maybe she was part of some sort of revolutionary group or maybe she literally was just they were they were trying to do what Katniss and Gail had talked about. We're yeah, just trying like to go run live, away in, and the live in the or, woods or something. Who knows? Um, but. If it was the first thing, if they, if she was, if they were part of some like revolutionary group potentially, that would be interesting. And yeah, hopefully, if that is the case, we'll get more of that because that seems important again mm-hmm. for the events of future books. <laughs> it would seem that we would need a little bit more there. So they they've been in the capital for a day or two now, and we are starting to meet the other tributes. Yeah. Um, in like training and there's one particular tribute Cato who ends up being more of a major character as the story goes on and one of the first things that we see him do is like pop off and try to fight one of the other tributes which is against the rules and he doesn't do that in the book no and I didn't think that he would because he's a career yeah they definitely amp him up in the movie a little bit in terms yeah. of like making him more of like a hothead, like psychopath. But he's, I don't know. I could see it in the book still. I, I yeah, he is a career, but at the same time, even even then, being a career like this is, it's not like they do this every year. This is you well, only no, do it one time. <laughs> but I just feel like he would know better. Yeah, and I guess he does know better, but he's also like a broken person like he's yeah. you know i don't know i it didn't bother me that much but i yeah it is something that is different from the book because yeah he, they, he doesn't he doesn't try to fight anybody also we have this during this whole training montage in the uh with all the competitors 
they're they're training in the capital and we hit this one shot in this montage that is somebody it's a redheaded woman girl using a like a big computer mm-hmm. and and what we see on the computer screen she's like her hands are flying like, all over the, yeah doodly. she's she's like data type like like star trek tng data when he uses yeah. the computer she's like you know and and what we see she's doing is like matching or something plants and stuff like like learning to identify plants i think is the the idea yeah which is really funny to me because that's fox face and at the time i wasn't sure if it was but i'm like i think because he's redheaded yeah i assume that's probably fox face and later in in the in the book and the movie fox face dies because she doesn't i correctly realize what uh, a certain berry is and eats it and dies yeah and I thought it was really interesting that the movie had her be the person who was training on this identification thing. I think it's interesting because I think there's a couple of ways that you could interpret that. One, you could say that maybe the movie just made a mistake. That's how I would interpret Well, maybe not a mistake. Yeah, I don't know. Two, I think you could interpret it as that, like, maybe she was just bad at learning that. I think that would be the more but she's doing it so I, I think it's just clumsy like to me i bet they had her do that and then they didn't think about it at the time mm-hmm. and they had her do the action of using that computer and then the only thing that made sense for her to be doing on the computer was doing like, like they were going to do the, all the computer stuff in post and then they realized oh well the only thing she could be doing that makes sense is like yeah like, like survival mm-hmm. identification stuff so I guess that's what we got to do. I don't know. And then, but but that's the thing that kills her later is that she doesn't know these things because she seems but good at it at the time. I also think you could interpret her then eating the berries as intentionally committing suicide. I mean, I guess you could, but that that's not what's happening. <laughs> like the <laughs> I whole didn't point. say it was. I said yeah. you could interpret it that right. way. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Like the whole point is that yeah, she takes them because she. She thinks they're going to eat him, and she's been the whole time she's been scavenging for food. She, there's no I- illusion to the idea that she's somehow now suicidal or like wants to lose. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't think that adds up. But I would disagree with that one. Peta in this book is played by or in this movie is played by Josh Hutcherson, mm-hmm. and I think he does a good job playing Peta. Like I think he plays a good Peta. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't. Which I just realized, Peta. He's a fucking baker. Yeah, he's bread. Oh, that's a. God, terrible. That's a real <laughs> J.K. Rowling name right there. Um, Katniss is a root. Fair. I, all the names are kind of dumb, but it's the future, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, I don't think he looks like how I imagine. Not, not in the face, mm-hmm. but Peta. Like the whole thing in the book is that Peta's strength is that he's strong, like physically yeah. strong, because he works in a bakery and like you know lifts a bunch of like flour and shit all day. And so like he's kind of he's like he's he's farm strong is like the yes. idea you get. Kind of like like Thresh, I would imagine, is similarly like, mm-hmm. you know, farmer strong, where you're not like... Yeah, he's physical labor all day strong. Yeah, but Josh Hutcherson in the movie doesn't look as big no, as I imagine not, not, Peter. Not even close. Or as stocky, like as, yeah. as, as built as I imagine. He's just kind of like, he's got some muscles, but he, he has like... I'm a I'm a 16 year old movie star trying to put on some muscle for a movie that that kind of muscle. Not I work 12 hours a day. He should be like a a 
little bit of a wall of muscle. Yes, he should be, and he should, and and, the, and just bulky. Like yeah. he should be bulkier and and yeah. And the, I think he's fine otherwise. He's like that kind of like wholesome Americana boy next door. Yeah, kind of look. I think he works, which for is the great role. for Peta. Yeah, but he does need to be bulkier. Yeah, and especially because they make a big point of it where he goes and chucks a weight across the room. Yeah, but he doesn't look. He looks less strong. Like Katniss looks as strong as him. Like yeah. she's as as well built as as he is. I don't know. This is my yeah my biggest you know, complaint. Speaking of of that moment though, my next yeah. note is about that. He throws the giant weight thing to to show up the careers. Yeah, because Katniss is like, you need to show them that you're strong because they're looking at you like you're something to eat. Yeah. And it was silly in the movie. I hated it. I thought it looked so silly. He throws this, and it doesn't even do anything. No. It just, like, bumps the spear rack and knocks some of them off. Like, what? who is that supposed to be impressing? Yeah. I also think that it's one of those things where the... It's almost like a not really delivered upon setup in the sense of, like, the fact that... Peta is strong mm -hmm. is like his one strength, like his literal one strength in the in the games yeah. is that he's he's stronger than a lot of people. But that never really comes into play. Well, his other strength is his camouflage, which we'll talk about. Right. But like his strength never really comes into play. And so I thought it was in like in the movie or the book, really. Like he he does he does fight with Cato. Sure. He, but, but we don't, sword we don't him see and he him wrestles do that. Him. Like, yeah. Yeah, and, and he doesn't... In the movie, he does, he does like, body slam Kato at one point. But he wouldn't have to be outlandishly strong to body slam. No. You can be... Uh, whatever. So the fact that he's supposedly really strong never... Even in the book, didn't feel like that big of a thing that really mattered, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was something they could have just left out of the book. And so adding... So so still making it a point in the book, and I guess they did that for book readers, just like he's strong. Yeah. But then doing it in the way that they did with this weird, like clumsy, like, like this weird kind of silly scene where he chucks a weight a distance. And like, I don't and know. If they were going to have him chuck a weight a distance, have it freaking do something when it yeah. hits. It looked so silly. Yeah. Like they would have all started laughing. Yeah, because it just looked so dumb and, and it looked like what were you trying to do? Yeah, like were you trying like, to throw it at that? Like were what? you trying to knock over the spears? Why? For well, I mean, what and the idea is that the weight is very heavy, and he threw it pretty far. Yeah, like for how big of a weight it was. But yeah, it just doesn't. I don't know. The whole scene's kind of dumb. And again, it's made even dumber to me by the fact that Josh Hutcherson isn't. He's smaller than most of the other. Yeah, not smaller, but he's like you know he's not. I don't know. It's fine. It's, and, and, and it's just, it, it, I thought, yeah, this is a little silly. There's a line uh, when we get to the interviews that I thought was really good in the book. It's just a very specific line that Katniss has to herself, to us, where uh, she says, she's, it's when she's, she's showing her dress off at the, at the interview and she starts spinning uh, and Caesar says something and she starts giggling and she, the line in the book is, I'm also gi giggling, which I think I've done maybe never in my lifetime, <laughs> which the specific wording, there's a few bangers of lines in this, like the wording is just really, really good. And that was a line that made me chuckle a lot when I read it. I think I've done maybe never in my lifetime. <laughs> maybe I like that line. Something that I missed 
in the book uh, or in the movie about the book was the obvious emphasis on their team and particularly Cinna trying to put them together like they're a pair Mm -hmm. instead of individual competitors. And I think it, it comes through a little bit in the movie, but in the book, there's a lot of emphasis on like, that's not the way that things are usually done. Right. And like, like several times Katniss will be like, we're the only two that are dressed alike. Yeah. And stuff like that. Which is funny because in the movie, everybody's dressed alike. Yeah. The, and, yeah. And, which also doesn't make sense in the book because they mention that like that District 12 always ends up dressed like minors. So they would still be dressed alike. But in but in other outfits after like the chariots oh, and okay. stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Maybe so the I, chariot, yeah. Because in the movie, like when they go to training, everybody's wearing like the same kind of uniform just yeah. with the different district numbers. But in the book, it specifically mentions oh, that, that like they put them in matching. Yeah, they're both outfits. wearing like red smocks or yeah, something. Yeah, and everybody else is not dressed like that. Yeah, no, it is definitely, and it's a much more constructed thing uh, that they talk about. I. I actually have a, a note a little bit in a different segment that I do kind of like it being more motivated by PETA in the movie as opposed mm-hmm. to by the team, kind of. I think that makes the ultimate destination of their relationship a little more tragic. Mm-hmm. Or at least it, even in this movie, like at the end when we find out you know, that she was acting and that PETA wasn't, um, I think that the fact that it's PETA who's kind of pushing this narrative a little bit more on his own makes it a little more tragic when it's Mm -hmm. when it is all like an act i don't know when katniss is supposed to be demonstrating her skills to the game makers uh when she misses with that first arrow i didn't really like that the movie added them like laughing at her because i feel like it's more impactful that they just don't care and like don't notice her at all yeah. Oh, you mean, yeah, instead of, because they do actually turn and, like, look, well, because she announces herself. Yeah. And so th- I think it's, yeah, I think it's better if, I also think it's better if it makes more sense for her character if she just shoots it and while they're not paying attention and they just keep not paying attention. Um, it's a, I, I, I was fine with the movie's version of them being like, oh, yeah, I guess we got to pay attention for a second. And then as soon as she misses a shot, being like, nah. Because she yeah. does miss a shot in the, in the book. Right. And so I, I, I thought the movie's version of it made sense, but I, I see what you're saying. Like, I get yeah. what you're saying. There's also a mention in the book that before her interview, Katniss has high heel lessons yeah. with Effie, which I thought could have been it a funny been a fun scene. Little scene. Yeah. Yeah, because she's never worn high, high heels before. Right. Ain't got no time for high heels in and District 12. What is her name who plays Effie? Give her more Elizabeth screen Banks. time. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> I need her teaching Katniss to wear high heels. <laughs> yeah. I needed it. No, that would have been a very fun scene. <laughs> uh, and I have, I, got, I have a note about Elizabeth Banks later in a different segment uh, because she's fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, yeah that, that, more of her would have been great. I was also a little bit disappointed that they left out um, during Rue's interview her talking about how she's hard to catch. Yeah. And if they can't catch her, they can't kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the interviews, I thought during the book, and it's, I think you can still get caught up in this in the movie, but I didn't in the same way that I did in the book. I routinely, especially before the games start, mm-hmm. would get so caught up in what was happening and sucked into the pageantry of it all that I would like forget 
Yeah, you almost what, forget where it's heading. Where it's heading. And that's the thing that I, I don't... Maybe it, it does happen in the movie for people. Uh, I didn't feel exactly the same way. Maybe I didn't feel the same way in the movie because I had read the book and, and like, I'm comparing it in my head the whole time, so it's, it's a different experience. But, yeah, during the book, I routinely would forget... It it would I, it feels so much like a game show or like a you know like a reality TV yeah. show and like I was like during the interview like I I wanted like my in my head I'm like wanting her to like do a good job in the interview and stuff and I'm like wait what is again like I, I, the move the book did a really good job of making me get caught up in it in the whole thing and I routinely had to be like wait a second yeah <laughs> no this is stupid whatever. But I think that's a really in- the fact that it did that to me is a testament to the writing because that's the point. Like that, the fact that uh, and it, and it's a little bit of a, a window into how something like this could happen. Mm-hmm. The fact that even you know in a place where the idea of this is so outlandish and so beyond the pale, you know, in in current day mm-hmm. our situation right now, even then I can get caught up in the again in in the 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 pageantry and the showmanship of of all the stuff leading up to it that for a minute i (laughs) i forget how truly terrible it is and like ridiculous and just horrifying it all is i think is a little glimpse into how something like this could potentially happen yeah no i agree there is a little brief line after they all do their interviews um where katniss says something to the effect of uh, they're playing the anthem the national anthem of Pan Am and she's like I have to raise my head out of the required respect who yeah <laughs> given all of the discourse yep. around the national I anthem I that but that is a good in no, this yeah. country yep have to raise my head out of the required respect there's one that rings uh, a yep. little close to home yep I thought this is a little detail that would have been really good to see in the movie, and I was really disappointed that it wasn't in the movie, is when they're getting ready to go to the arena, they're saying goodbye to the team or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because Senna's the only one that's going to be at the launch place early, you know, where they go into the arena. Uh, and she says goodbye to Effie, and Effie actually tears up during their goodbye. Mm-hmm. And again, a little character moment that I think would have made a lot of sense, again, knowing a little bit of what I know about what... <laughs> where that all goes eventually. I think it would have made a lot of sense to have that moment with Effie to kind of give a little bit more to her character beyond just, she's a lot of fun in the movie, but even beyond that, to give her a little extra layer of depth that she has in the book. Surprised they didn't do that in the film. Uh, They're also mentioned that, and I mentioned it earlier that there's a, a little story about how a guy named Titus, from one of the previous games, like lost it in the ring. And after he killed people, he started trying to eat them. And the capital was like, no, 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 that's not acceptable. (laughs) And had to stop that and like killed him (laughs) to like stop that from happening. And I was like, (laughs) I, I I wish there had been some mention or something Mm -hmm. of that because those little moments of uh, idiosyncratic, stuff where like the capital has these weird lines about what's fine and what's not mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting and this is one of those moments where it's like oh yeah yeah you go in there and brutalize each other on television for us all to watch while we're eating dinner but don't eat 
Don't eat don't them. Eat that's peep. come on. Come on now. That's on. yeah. And I I like again, I think that adds something to the character of the powers that be mm-hmm. that I wish had been in the film. But it's a little detail. I, I understand why it's not there. Also, same this is the same kind of thing. They mention Cinna mentions, or or maybe Katniss does, that the old arena, they only use each arena where they do the Hunger Games once. Yeah. And then they build a new one or whatever. And the old ones become tourist sites where people go in mm-hmm. on vacations. And I was like, yep, that would have been that's, another great. That's exactly what would happen, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's another great, you know, they go and they, like, watch the, they go to the places where people killed the, like, where they yeah. won, all this sort of stuff. And the little details like that. I was just like, oh, I really wish there had been some way to work that into. Again, it's tough because it's something that Katniss just like says, like narrates mm-hmm. to us as mm-hmm. the reader. And it's not something we actually see or anything, but they could have come up with a way to do it. Would have been cool. Also, finally, uh, not finally, but when <laughs> the the last note about the Capitol, the building they're training in, uh, they, go, they can go up to the roof of it. Yeah. But there's a mention in the book that there's like a force field or something where if, if you, you tried to jump off the roof of this building, it like flings you back onto the roof. Yeah. So that, so that compet, can, uh, competitors can't kill themselves before the game starts again. Another one of those little <laughs> details of the just wild universe that, that totally adds up and it's like all makes sense, but it's all just those weird lines of like, Mm-hmm. What's acceptable and what's not? I don't know. The whole thing, I all those. Well, little and that's that's really. like an ownership thing. Too. Yes, that's to, the, that that's too, the yeah. capital saying we yes. we own your life. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. You don't get to choose how you die. We you go die in the ring for us for entertainment. Now join me, if you will, on a rant. Okay. Katniss's freaking side braid in the movie. Okay. Makes no god. It doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. The book specifies that her braid goes down her back. It says this several times. Mm-hmm. Her braid down her back. And now I get that side braids are more aesthetically pleasing. But that is the last <laughs> style of braid you would ever want while you are actually doing shit. Yeah. Side braids are horrible. They do not stay in. They get in your face. They get in your mouth. They get in your eyes. Side braids are for sitting very still and taking a selfie. Also, isn't it on her right side? I don't I th- know. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. she's right handed. Which no. is her arrow which is, shooting side. Which is the side she draws so, yeah, the arrow. So it's getting tangled so it's even in worse. that, too. It's literally, the, she's drawing the bow to the braid. It's, like, right dangling right yeah. where the bow is. And, like, where she's getting, when she has her bow drawn. It's a horrible choice. Terrible choice. It's 100% so that when you see the poster, when she's standing there in the poster, you, you can, can see, see her, her braid. hair. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So it doesn't look like she has short hair or whatever. Yeah. It's a terrible choice. That is literally pick any other kind of braid and you have a much better choice than yeah. a side braid. Yeah. Two braids, braid down the back, French braid, Dutch braid, any other kind of braid. Yeah. I have a note about this. Like overall, this is a, a thing that I think the movie kind of fails at. Uh, and I have a, a more about it in my final verdict and stuff, but one thing that the movie cuts completely is 
one of the big main struggles of the first part of when the game starts is Katniss trying to find water. Mm-hmm. She spends a long, a long time. A, a, dozens of pages. I don't know like, how so long. She almost dehydrates. She almost dies yeah. from, from dehydration uh, in the book. And the movie has her find water almost immediately. It's yeah. not even an issue. And I get it. I guess I understand that dying of dehydration isn't particular, like right off the bat, isn't a particularly exciting thing to happen right. in your movie. Well, and I, I think it would be a little bit challenging to portray, maybe. I don't think it would be hard to portray. I just think it would be hard to portray in a, an exciting way. Yeah. Like, I, like to get in into, a compelling way. Especially because she gets in and then it's immediately. She like that's all that happens. She gets in there and yeah. she runs away. There's the initial skirmish where she gets the knife and stuff, which all plays out the same. But then she runs off into the woods and then just spends three days trying to find water and almost dying yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And the book's like nah, or the movie's like nah. She finds water. She's fine. I prefer the book's version mainly because I think it's it's it it ties into a more overarching failure of the movie, and I say failure kind of lightly. I don't mean like, a, it's not like a major failure, but it is something that I was disappointed in in the movie is just the degree to which how uh, to, the degree to how, uh, to how brutal the games are mm-hmm. in this. And, and even beyond just like them murdering each other, but just like almost dying of dehydration and stuff and, and the injuries they sustain. I don't think the movie did a very good job of capturing how, um, completely destroyed by the games, Katniss and Peta are even mm-hmm. as the winners. Yeah, they're they almost die. Both of them almost die several times each from yeah. various things. And I think that making it a little bit easier—it's not easy in the movie by any stretch. They still go through some shit, but making it making it a little less disturbingly brutal in the movie robs a little bit of the point of mm-hmm. what is going on in the Hunger Games. And I just was disappointed that they cut her almost dying of thirst because I feel like that's another one of those elements that... It's kind of the point. Kind of the point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the movie the movie definitely chooses to focus in more on the, the murder part of it the fight to the death part which is really funny because the whole i think part of the reason they didn't make like the injuries and stuff that we see as brutal as they are described in the book Mm -hmm. like like the stuff that happens to Peta later the stuff that katniss goes through the almost dying of thirst and all that sort of stuff i think and we talked about in the prequel how they didn't want to glamorize the violence and stuff in Mm -hmm. the in the movie, because the point is that it's not, you know, like if the, if if the director specifically was like, we use shaky cam and stuff because we didn't want to like make it this big, glamorous, violent, like fun. We didn't want to be 300. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's not what we're trying to go for here. But I think by, and and it's a PG 13 movie. So there's also working within that. But I think by, by stripping out like some of the more, horrifying um not the actual violence itself i think doing the 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 fighting the way the movie does it with shaky cam where you don't see a ton is fine but the aftermath mm-hmm. should have been more brutal should have yeah. been more yeah. horrifying like 
because then I don't. I think you that, that if you do that, I think you're able to make your point doubly by not like making the fight scenes super fun, actiony like Marvel movie looking fight scenes. You don't give us the fun like glamorization of the violence, but by then amping up the the aftermath of the violence to the point that the book does. You 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 reinforce that by like yeah the fighting it's short and nasty and brutal and like you don't even know what's going on there's not really sound because it's like that same kind of thing I think I talked about in an episode where when you get it in when the adrenaline starts going you almost don't even hear anything anymore mm-hmm. and I think that's all really interesting choices in the movie but then take the the aftermath of it and and show that <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> like and I guess part of that they couldn't do again because of. The PG-13 rating, right. probably. Yeah. I mean, they wanted fans of the book to be able to come see the movie. Right, and I get that. I just, I think, again, this little note about the dehydration thing ties into all of that. Yeah. Of just the games not being as brutal as they yeah. are in the book. And that, to me, is a, a slight failure. No, I agree. And it's kind of funny, too, because they say in the movie that the majority of them will die from things like exposure and dehydration. But then they don't show us that at all. Yeah. And then Katniss lights a cooking fire after immediately finding water. She Does catches, she? Yeah, she catches like a rabbit or a bird or something. I don't remember. And then immediately lights a fire to cook it. And she would know better. Yeah, she must do it. I don't remember that. Is it in like that montage when she's... Yeah, it's in that. It's in the montage before. Because like, there's the a first scene right night. after this where she she rolls her eyes at somebody lighting yeah. a fire, but they're doing it at night. Right. I guess she did it during the day. Or yeah, something she did it during the day, but I mean, it would still send up smoke. It could. Yeah, you could, you can build fires. Maybe I didn't see. I, I don't remember that moment. You can build fires in a way that they don't send up much smoke. Like it's possible. So maybe she did that. I don't know. In the book, she does not cook anything until much later on. Yeah. Um, they do. Event- she does eventually light fires, but it's like she picks specific times like at dusk and dawn when the smoke gets in. Anyways. Um, yeah. She she would probably not. She doesn't light a fire until much later in the, in the book. Um, I was also very disappointed for you, Katie. That the movie robs us of crop top Katniss. <laughs> I made a specific note of this, hoping you would also make yes, a note and of I this. Did. Okay. Because <laughs> after the big fire uh, and all the fireballs show up and she has to run and she gets lit on fire, her coat catches fire. Mm-hmm. And she rips it off and, and she stores it. And then later she's assessing the damage and like the bottom half of this, the coat that uh Senna put on her is uh is like all burned up so she slices the bottom half off and then specifically has a crop top jacket and I laughed a lot at that and I was very disappointed it wasn't in the movie <laughs> also like six inches of her braid get burned off yes in the fire yeah, too and she has to rebraid it yeah. with like shorter with singed ends of her hair yeah 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 again it's a little like the the hair getting burnt off again is a little thing with the just like that whole scene like her hands get super burnt Mm -hmm. and in the movie it's just she has a kind of gnarly burn on her leg which she does get in the book but her hands are burnt her hair gets burnt off like it's just yeah the the brutality is not there yeah um when she does uh, when she is treed 
by the careers. Mm -hmm. There was a little moment in the book that I really wanted to be in the movie and then it wasn't. I was disappointed, um, which is when uh, Glimmer is trying to shoot her with the bow and arrow and keeps missing. And she like grabs one of the arrow from where it got one of the arrows from where it got stuck in the tree and like waves it at them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> look what I have. Yeah. <laughs> the arrow you couldn't hit me with. So then uh, she does cut down the tracker jackers on top of them as they camp out below her to kill her. And uh, she gets stung by several and they get stung by a bunch. And the movie's version of the hallucinations with the venom isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. But man, the hallucinations in the book are incredibly gnarly, and I was a little disappointed yeah. that the movie didn't. And that may have been a budget thing. The budget they 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 ransacked the budget for this movie to get to eighty million or whatever. But a movie like this would often be twice right. that. And this is one of those moments where there's this could be a lot of visual effects and stuff. But um, uh, the world begins to bend in alarming ways. A butterfly balloons to the size of a house, then shatters into a million stars. Trees transform to blood and splash down over my boots. Ants begin to crawl out of the blisters on my hands, and I can't shake them free. They're climbing up climbing up my arms, my neck. Someone's screaming a long, high-pitched scream that never breaks for breath. I have a vague idea it might be me. I trip and fall into a small pit lined with tiny orange bubbles that hum like the tra- tracker jacker nest. Uh, tucking up my knees to my chin, I wait for death. Then then the ants bore into my eyes and I black out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just imagining that being wild and gnarly and horrifying. And it's it's just kind of like trippy in the movie. They did like the easy version of it. Right. It's fine. I, I, I did like that. It got us a flashback of what happened to her father and then like the aftermath with her mom a, a little bit of that because we don't get it otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's way more gnarly in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do like adding the flashback. I do agree with that. We do get a little bit of more information about like Rue's home district in the book that I, the movie just doesn't talk about at all. Like it being a farming district and like what like just story about her farming and like mm-hmm. the mocking jays and uh, just that kind of stuff. I was a little disappointed that they leave all that out in the movie. Yeah, all of that stuff got left out, which I thought was. A shame, because I think that Collins had some stuff to say in that segment. Yeah. These notes are like 10 pages long, you guys. Yes, we're on page three and we're an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> so okay. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, a four hour episode. They also have a conversation about how taking out the supplies is the best way for them to beat the careers because the career tributes don't actually have any survival yeah. skills. They just have murder they skills. They just train for the fighting part. Yeah. Because they don't all train they for do. how to survive. Yeah. When I, and which I think is a really um, kind of poignant way to illustrate the difference between people like the career tributes and people like Katniss and Rue. Yeah. Who might not know how to fight like as well as the others do, but they can survive they can in the survive woods. in the woods. Yeah. So after she does blow up all their food, uh, she gets blown across the the field uh, like she does in the movie. But in the book, after she gets up, her left ear is bleeding and she mm-hmm. can't hear out of it. And she yeah. can't she literally can't hear out of it for the rest in, until she gets done with the games and they heal it or whatever. Uh, and I, I have this in better in the book. It is like a major potential hindrance, but it never actually comes into play. Yeah. In you're, a meaningful yeah, you're right. Way. It never actually hinders her. Yeah. 
which I so I was like, okay, in that regard, especially because it's something they would have to like just allude yeah. to by her being like, yeah. uh, in that regard, it is an easy cut. It's an easy cut because yeah, it never comes into play. There's never some, nobody sneaks up on her because they can't. She can't. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it never actually does anything. It's just, right. It does add to the tension a little bit of her. You know not being able to hear out of that ear mm-hmm. and makes her more scared and stuff, but it never, it never right. comes to fruition. Well, and it ultimately ends up not really meaning anything anyway, since the capital can just heal it. Yeah. Like she doesn't have to be deaf in one ear for the right. rest of her life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do heal. Like, it. I mean, it's, it's a good demonstration of how wild the capital's medicine is, yeah. but yeah, it, it doesn't, it's not really meaningful moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so when Rue dies and then, Katniss kills the the boy from District One who killed Rue. The scene in the movie works fine, but in the book, there's this sentence, and I this is another one of those sentences that I was like, "Holy Jesus Christ!" Um, it, Katniss shoots him. Uh, he stabs. It plays. It doesn't. It plays out in my head slightly different than it does in the movie. Like he's mm-hmm. like next to Rue in the book in my yeah. head, and then. In the movie, he's like behind them. Whatever doesn't really matter. Um, but in the book, Katniss or in the movie, Katniss like shoots him in the chest, and he just kind of dies and fa- falls over and dies. In the book, she shoots him in the neck, and the line is, "He falls to his knees and halves the brief remainder of his life by yanking out the arrow and drowning in his own blood," <laughs> which is fucking That's wild. A hell of a line. The <laughs> hell of a line. Um, halves the brief remainder of his life is fucking all right. <laughs> metal. It's a metal ass <laughs> line. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I think that's another good example of how these career tributes train for the fight. Yeah, and not for. But they don't have any of the actual knowledge that they need. Like this kid clearly does not understand that you don't yank out something that's stabbed into you. <laughs> It doesn't matter in this instance. I know, he it would doesn't matter, way, but, but yeah. still. Yeah. Oh, that line. Also, I'm imagining uh, Suzanne Collins' Google history when she was doing <laughs> research to write this novel. Yeah. Uh, then also, so after uh, she does, Rue dies and she does the like funeral for Rue and stuff, um, District 11 sends a gift mm-hmm. uh, to Katniss. They send her uh, bread from their district. Um, and she gets it and she knows it's bread from their district because PETA told her about the different breads or whatever earlier. Um, and it's a very specific type of bread that they make in their district. And it's a little mo- and she she has this moment of realization that, you know, they saw what she did. And mm-hmm. this is she's, she comments on like they would have all had to pull all of their money. Yeah. If, you know, yeah, it would cost an exorbitant amount of money for the people in District 11 to have sent me this loaf of bread because it's sending um, gifts to the tributes cost tons of money. Yeah. And so I thought it was a little detail that was, it's replaced by something I like more in the movies, which we'll talk about kind mm-hmm. of, but I still but like an, that. It's scene. a nice little moment. Yeah. Let's talk about the PETA camouflage <laughs> scene in the, in the movie. His face is a rock. It's so <laughs> that scene just works much better in my head yeah. than it was ever going to in the movie. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the book, what they describe is he's basically that like he smeared himself with mud and like half buried himself in the leaves, yeah. which makes perfect sense yes makes way more sense than what's in the movie. it looks like in the movie it looks like he had a full-on paint kit with yes. him that's the thing that's wild is that in the 
movie, he's his face is part of a rock. Yeah. Which would mean he would have had to somehow paint. And now we see earlier on, he like he does paint his arm to look like a tree. Right. And they describe that in the book that he, you know, because he decorates the cakes and that's how he's good. He's good at painting because of, right. you know, this cakes. But and yeah, in my head in the book, he's like laying next to the stream in like the mud. Yes. Like buried, kind of like Predator or something, you know, like buried. Yeah, in, like, he's in, like buried himself in the mud and he's got like sticks and leaves and junk. Yeah, and, and his face is covered in mud. And so like she can, only, and, and he opens his eyes and, and then she's able to see him. But man, in the movie with his face being part of that rock, it just looks so silly. Like it just looks really. It's like how would he have done that? Did he get? Yeah, like you said, did he somehow have a? He's he's got his his makeup kit with him. I guess. Yeah, it's just kind of dumb. I'm picturing like the silver rolly suitcases that they have in Face Off. Yeah, he's got got a whole his little his airbrushes and things. Yeah, Uh, and they also cut my favorite line from that moment. In the in the movie or in the book where she stumbles across him and says, I don't remember what Katniss says to him, but Peta says to her, yes, frosting, the final defense of the dying, <laughs> which is a great, it's a great line. You know what? Peta was funnier yeah, in the book. Peta he was, was funnier way funnier. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how dare you rob Peta of that line? Uh, I also really love and they this is one of the things that's hard to translate to the m- movie because again we can't hear Katniss's thoughts but there's this fun meta game in the book of Katniss trying to figure out when the game makers are going to fuck with them again mm-hmm. and they actually have conversations with like her and Pete actually have conversations I think in the book about this so they could have done that and I don't remember them doing it at all in the movie of like okay well somebody died today so that probably buys us yeah. A day where we can just sit in this cave and they won't like send a you know a, a volcano after us or something. Right? They won't try to flush us out. They won't try to murder us. We should. They're be busy fine. with that other thing. Yeah. Like oh, somebody you know, or or this just happened, or 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 the or even like oh, us kissing is probably bought us some time. Mm-hmm. I love that that like meta gaming element of it. I thought was super interesting in the book. Um, because it was something I was thinking about constantly after they establish, oh, they will send a wall of fire at yeah. you to, to yeah. push people together. It's like you would always be on edge about how long you have. But something because that's the other thing that is, doesn't really come across in the movie that a, a couple times in the book we get her reminiscing about previous games. She's watched every Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. So she knows, oh, OK, after something like this happens, usually we get a day worth of downtime before, yeah, you know, yeah. something else big will happen or they'll make something else happen. So they have that now. And I just liked that element of the book that didn't translate at all in mm-hmm. the movie because we're just, we're in the moment just watching things happen. Anyways, little thing, but I, I like that. Also, when they're in this cave, so they eventually they end up trapped in the cave because Pete is dying straight up like yeah. dying. Again, this goes back to the thing I was saying before. In the movie, he's like got a pretty bad cut. But in yeah. the book, he's... he's He is... The, they say that the cut is like all the way down to the bone, bone and it's just he's hallucinating it's like, and it's with like fever. Pus, there's pus yeah. coming out of the wound and it's just gnarly and horrifying. And in the yeah, movie, he's, he's dying in the movie. They're like, oh, you got an infection. It's going to kill you. But he seems mostly OK. Yeah. Like he he's, doesn't he seems like he's all there. Yeah. And it doesn't and it doesn't look that terrible. It just looks kind of like a bloody cut. I don't know. Again, same same thing. Um, but she tells him the story of how she got Prim's goat. Mm hmm. And I liked that little backstory about how she got the goat, um, which was going to the butcher and then the 
the uh, the butcher's wife shows up to buy the goat, mm-hmm. but ends up helping Katniss yeah. get the goat by like being like, like, oh, I was yeah, uh, that's garbage. That goat's the terrible. Garbage not, goat. You'd be lucky to get anything for that, and like winking at Katniss and walking <laughs> off. As a little scene, I get why it's not in the movie, but I liked it. Uh, and like I said, knowing Katniss's thoughts really helps the weird tangled web of her motivations with Peta and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's much harder, yeah, to get yeah. a grasp of that in the movie. I think we lose a lot by not having her inner narrative in regard to how she feels or doesn't feel about PETA. Yeah. A lot. I, I agree. I, I 100% felt like it's like, you can't really, I mean, the movie tells us at the end yeah. that she doesn't have feelings for him or whatever, um, and that she was just acting, but I, getting her navigation of this mm-hmm. relationship and what she's supposed to do and what she feels like she has to do versus what she, because she's not interested, I don't know, the whole thing was really interesting, um, and we'll talk more about it, but I, 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 yeah, I think it's a weakness in the movie that I don't know if there's a good way to do it other than a voiceover, which I assume they just <laughs> wanted to avoid. Uh, we also get the backstory for how Peta fell in love with her, um, mm-hmm. which is when they were little and she was singing, which is a fun little, which we story. get a little bit of in the movie, but yeah, but not oh, all of yeah. it. Yeah. Not as much. Also, Katniss has this realization in the book of how awful Haymitch's job must be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because he like every year befriends these kids or doesn't yeah. befriend them, but whatever. He's they, the only previous winner from yeah. District Twelve, so he has to be the mentor every every year. year for all of these kids or for both of the kids. And they, he just every year he just meets these two kids and then watches them die every year. And it's just yeah. like you know, and she comes to that realization of like, good lord, that must but suck. Like, of course he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Of course he is. Yeah. Oh, she also comes to the realization in this moment that, like, Cato might not be completely mentally stable, which we've, we we kind of get to in the movie, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. But sh- her coming to that realization, I thought, was was interesting of her. And I guess that is kind of what the movie does, is they take it out of her head and verbalize it with Cato. Right. Kind of. Yeah. Um, at the end of the movie. But I did like her, that realization uh, of her being like, oh, he's something's he's, wrong with him. He's not okay. He's not okay. He's also he's kind of a broken person. I mean, he's been training to be a murderer. A murderer. For his entire life. Yes. So. Uh, this, to me, was a big disappointment in the movie. I say big, but this mm-hmm. scene is amazing in the book. I thought, like, it's like a really fun little twist that mm-hmm. you're not expecting, which is the reveal of the, the dogs, the mutations, or whatever they're called. And... In the movie, we get set up, we get a setup of the game makers introducing these. Right. Then they attack Katniss and Peta, and they start running through the woods as they're getting chased by these dogs. Right. Eventually ending up on top of the cornucopia and then running into Kato there and fighting. And that's, everything goes down there. And that's similar to what happens in the, that part. Once they're fighting him on top of the cornucopia is basically what's going right. on in the yeah. book. But the way that we get there in the movie or in the book is way more fun, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> they go, they're like, all right, well, uh, Peta's like mostly healed, as healed as he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, there's nothing else. Let's, let's just go try to kill Kato and win the game or yeah. whatever. And so I, at this point, they know he's the only one left. He's the only one left. Um, and there's two of us. We're not going to get any less hungry or, you know, less, yeah. less injured. <laughs> we might as well go try to kill this guy. Yeah. 
And so I love that they they go down to the lake and he's not there, and then they just wait by the lake and like hang out. Yeah. <laughs> like in the just like maybe he'll show up. I don't know. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. I understand why the movie cuts that, but then he does show up and he's like running at them and he's wearing body armor mm-hmm. and she tries to shoot him and the arrow just bounces right off because he got his thing that he got from the feast was body was armor. his body armor and he's sprinting at them. And she shoots at him, and the arrow blinds off. And then he gets up, and she misses again or something. He gets there, and she's expecting him to, like, tackle her or whatever. Right. And he just runs right past them. And they're both like, wait, what? And then they turn around, and the dog, all of these dogs come barreling out of the trees. I am so disappointed Why? they didn't die. It could have been such, it was such a better scene. That's such a good moment. Yeah. Why in the world would you cut that? It's such that's such a movie moment too. That's yeah, and you could still have like the tease in the game maker room where they show the dog. Even if you wanted to yeah. do that, which I guess I get, like setting it up so it's not completely out of nowhere. I like it right. being completely out of nowhere. I but, like it being completely out of nowhere too. But you could still like do that right. and then have this tension of like, oh, where are the dogs? Where are the dogs? Where be? are the dogs? Yeah, and then they're yes, chasing yes, Kato. Yes, because then once he runs past, then you because the audience you you get to go on the same journey. Of yeah. like, oh, he's going to attack, uh, and then he does it, and you're like, why didn't he? Oh, shit, because then you would realize yeah. immediately like what he you was running like from. You have a brief moment of dramatic irony yes. where you know and they you don't. You know, and, and Katniss and John, uh, Peta don't. Yeah, absolutely. So wild to me that they would change that. I don't understand it at all. At all. I, I like, know. I don't get it. It's it's really weird It's a to wild me. choice. Because that, that ugh, I love that. Um, also... I have to put this in better in the book. I thought it was another element of, uh, again, just sort of demonstrating the wild cruelty of the capital that we find out that the the mutations are some weird Cronenberg like mm-hmm. monstrosities created out of the bodies of the dead tributes. Mm-hmm. In the in the book, those dogs, each of them is one of the dead tributes. Somehow, it's not. A, explicitly clear what's going on there and it's never like dove into yeah. but they say the eyes are like the same eyes of the contestants um and they have like similar physical features and again it's not obviously clear exactly like what, what they exactly did. did but to me it seems like they somehow like reanimated their bodies and then like combined them with wolves or something mm-hmm. i don't know it's gnarly like and horrifying zombies Kind of. Yes, it's gnarly and horrifying, and I was disappointed that they didn't do that in the movie. Um, I thought that was really interesting in the book. I was a little glad that they didn't go with that in the movie, just because I think it would have ended up looking silly. I don't disagree. It would be tough to do. Yeah. Especially because it's like, oh, she recognizes Rue, like the hair and the the eyes, and I don't, yeah, it would be, I think that was more one of the, like, we can't. Like we How are we going to do this? We can't this? do this and make it have the same impact. No. Yeah. I agree, but still disappointed. <laughs> I They probably, I feel like they could have figured out a way to do it if they had thought about it a little while in the, in the movie. There could have been a way to do it without it looking cheesy. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, again, as the same thing I mentioned before, just the brutality games. At the end of the, in the, end of the movie, PETA is like fine. Yeah. In the end of the book, after they win the games and are are uh, 
well, after they kill Kato and they're sitting there waiting for the game to end before they're, and then they're told that, oh, you have to kill one of each other. PETA is literally bleeding to death. Yeah. Like, he will be dead in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, he, he has a giant, get, he got a chunk bitten out of his leg. He still has the wound from the knife or the sword, but he also got a giant chunk bitten out of his leg by one of the dogs, and he's just bleeding to death. Mm-hmm. And, I, again, just disappointed that the book is like, nah, he's fine. The like movie. he's just fine. Yeah, sorry, the movie yeah. is just like, nah, he's fine. Yeah. It's just uh, disappointing. Also, same thing. Katniss is described in the book as looking feral by the end of this whole mm-hmm. ordeal. She, her hair's completely matted. She's covered in dirt and blood and sweat and grime and, and mud and just doesn't even barely look like a person anymore. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, that transformation that physical transformation representing sort of the the inner um, emotional toll this has taken on her feels like a very obvious thing for a movie to to utilize, mm-hmm. and they don't because I guess they want Jennifer Lawrence to still look like Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know. They want her to still be pretty. Yeah, so disappointing. Yeah, a, a lot of that stuff from the end I was really missing, um, like all of that, and like the the doctors immediately taking Peta away as soon as they get picked up in yeah, the hovercraft. Yeah, because he's got go, yeah, he he to go. operated on right now, <laughs> or he's gonna die. Yeah, um, and then they have like the super medicine in the capital, where like yeah. they fix her ear, and then like even her old scars are gone they, from they, like they, before the game. They do a magic skin renewal yeah. thing to her that literally puts her like her all of yeah, like you said, all of her old scars, like her skin is like completely completely brand new. Yeah, it's like baby fixed. skin. Yeah. And and during that whole time, they also take away uh, it's a little thing, but they they do that to her without her consent. Mm-hmm. She's just she's literally tied to a bed and yes. they routinely drug her into unconsciousness for like days. Yeah. Like without without any uh, input from her. And they wanted to give her bre- breast implants while she was out. Yes, that was my last note that I had is or one of my last notes that I had for the better in the book is that they literally were going to give her breast implants because um, they, they give her uh, Senna gives her her dress for her, like the post games interview mm-hmm. thing. And it has uh, padding in the in the chest. And she's like, what is this? And he's like, they wanted to give you breast implants. But Hamish like lost it on them yeah. about that. It was so that she didn't look as like frail and and, and mal- mal- malnourished and mm-hmm. stuff from the ending of the Hunger Games. They just wanted her to look healthier. Uh, and I thought that was a little detail that I was really disappointed that the movie left out. And it felt like that to me, that almost felt like one of those things that the movie left out because it felt a little hit too close to home for maybe some movie executives and studios and stuff like that. Because there have been story. I mean, we there's there was a big blow up story about I think it was Chloe Grace Moretz, mm-hmm. uh, like some movie or something putting putting like when she was like a. 13 or something i don't remember she was very young some studio or 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 something they they put padding in her dress yeah um and that was it it came out a couple years ago a big discussion about it and uh, yeah making this 13 year old look like she had bigger breasts or whatever so to me i was like this (laughs) maybe they felt like this hits a little too close to home and was like maybe a little uh directed at themselves and they were they weren't cool for that weren't down for that but yeah i was disappointed the the movie left that out did the movie show Peta's prosthetic leg? No, because he doesn't have a deadly injury. Like he just has the cu- the cut's fine. He's not bleeding yeah. to death, and 
because she has to put a tourniquet on him in the book. Right. That's why he loses his leg in the book. Yes. Is she puts a tourniquet on him to keep him from bleeding to death. And then uh, they have to end up putting a brand new leg on him because, yeah, because and again, it's the same thing. It's just like he's just fine. So, yeah, he doesn't have a prosthetic leg. <sighs> Super dumb. There's a moment um, during their post interview that I thought would have been really easy to put in the movie um, where they're still like acting. They're doing the whole love lovebirds thing yeah um where they're on the couch being interviewed and she like kicks off her shoes and like snuggles up with them yeah yes again playing we don't see like much of the interview at all we see a yeah, little bit a of little it. bit of it but not um, much because that whole thing i thought i was i i was disappointed that they didn't explain or or it didn't come across that one of the parts of that post-game interview is they literally sit there and watch a three-hour long video of the entire hunger games Mm -hmm. and literally just the 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 champions are forced to sit there and watch all of the people die again including people they killed and their friends and stuff like that for three hours in front of an audience just like sit there and have ptsd in front of all these people and i was like oh movie why would you not leave that part out that's another big like yeah kind of important thematic moment and it's wild to me that they left that out or at least again any sort of reference to it because i can really envision a fantastic scene because it could even be a short montage Mm -hmm. of 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 a brief replay of the games cut to the audience clapping and cheering and katniss and Peta just like yeah you know with like the ten thousand yard stare just like yeah zoned out trying not to pay attention to the fact yeah uh, so disappointed in that. Uh, we didn't get at the end of the movie Peta realizing that Katniss was acting. Yeah. Which I'm assuming we'll get at the beginning of the next movie I because so. I feel like it's probably important moving forward. For my memory, that the, that <laughs> whole dynamic gets very complicated moving yeah. forward. So yeah, I think it does come up, but I, it's possible they just wanted to save it. Maybe save it for till the beginning of the next movie so that it's a little bit fresher mm-hmm. in people's minds or something like that, I guess. All right. That was it for the first third of this episode. That, uh, that's our longest segment. No, that segment. is our longest segment. Um, the other ones are considerably shorter. It shouldn't we should be able to move through them a little bit quicker. So let's get to our next segment, Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. So I really liked making Seneca Crane uh, and the Game Makers, period, but specifically Seneca Crane a character in this movie. He's mentioned in the second book, mm-hmm. um, but in retrospect, because I believe what happens in this movie is roughly what happened. Again, from my memory, it's been so long, uh, and I only read these books once. Um, but he is mentioned in the second book, and they took him and just made him a character in this one. Uh, and I thought that was just a clever, a, a smart idea. Yeah, um, just that to seems give us, like a good decision. Yeah, I uh, had no idea what his name was for the entire movie. I think they the say thing. it at the very beginning, don't they? Like I must when, have I think when it. Caesar's interviewing him at the beginning, I think he says, "I'm here with Seneca Crane, game master," or like what yeah. I thought, but I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, and now here's this man that I don't know yeah. again. He's doing things. With the facial hair. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I liked that once we got to District 12, we speaking started... Speaking of, sorry, speaking of Seneca Crane, that was his real facial hair. Oh, God. And he, apparently he would, like, go to, like, Target and stuff while they were filming with that <laughs> like, in, like, in North Carolina or wherever they were filming. Like, he would go out in the world and just have that facial hair. Once we did get to District 12, I liked that we started with 
Katniss singing a lullaby yeah. to Prim, especially since that's something that we see happen later on with Rue in both the book and the movie. I like that we kind of planted that. I also really enjoyed the opening visuals of District 12. Yeah. I thought it looked true to the book. Uh, I thought it nailed Appalachia. It is in well. It's I not, say as someone who's never been to Appalachia. It's in North Carolina, which I don't <laughs> think they go quite that far, right? They filmed this in. I, I looked up. Remember, I talked about in the prequel. I looked up where they filmed this, and it was a little town in North yeah. Carolina, like on. But it's yeah, on the it was western a little, edge like, of Mill Town. It's in the western edge of North Carolina, like right on the edge of where the Appalachians yeah. would be. I think. So but I thought, close. like, based on yes. other depictions I've seen mm-hmm. of Appalachia, I thought it looked pretty good. Right, yeah. And because, yeah, again, because it basically is in yeah. Appalachia. <laughs> we have any listeners who live in Appalachia, feel free to agree or disagree. Yeah. I would like to know. I think it's generally considered that, or it's generally agreed upon that they're roughly in, and I think it's even mentioned in the book, like the Kentucky-ish area, mm. roughly, kind mm-hmm. of, or like the eastern Kentucky type of area. Um, whereas the movie filmed that District 12 in, right. in North Carolina. So pretty, they're not that far from each other. So I liked Prim starting to have like a panic attack as they walk up to the reaping. Yeah. I thought that was a good little detail. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, especially because we don't get much of, we get a lot of, they had to do a lot of work with Prim. She becomes an important character uh-huh. in the sequels. And, they had to do a fair amount of work with characterizing her because in the book we get Katniss talking about her. Mm-hmm. Like, she, you know, there's little moments in the book. And even then I think this would have been helpful, something about it in the, in the movie. And maybe she does. I can't remember. But in the book we get little moments of her talking about how Prim, um, who is – uh, doesn't have a uh, can't like hunt. She like won't yeah. kill anything. She's she's a very sentimental and like sensitive um, girl compared to Katniss, who's much you know more like sort of practical and mm-hmm. um, doesn't have any problem like hunting or anything like that. Um, and but one of the very distinct differences the other direction is that Katniss has no stomach for like gore and like medical mm-hmm. stuff yeah. and like within yeah, yeah. because her mom was uh, often like kind of like their town's healer basically. And Prim would always help her mom and, yes. and was able to do stuff like that, but couldn't go out and shoot a squirrel, like, but could help, you know, <laughs> sew a guy's leg back together or whatever. <laughs> and we don't get any of that in this movie, which is interesting how they're going to do anything because that becomes part of her character. Right. In, kind of in later. She becomes a, a, a more major player and that characterization of her becomes important later on. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they do with Prim in the future movies. So Effie Trinket, we mentioned it. Uh, I have this in better in the movie. I originally had this in the movie, nailed it, but then I was like, nah. As did I, but nah. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think Elizabeth Banks really just. She elevates her. Uh, it's, it, she's just so good. Yeah. She's so good. Uh, there's a couple little lines, which we'll get to here that, and they're probably script lines and not Elizabeth Bank lines, but maybe they are. Maybe she, who knows? She could yeah. have improv these. Maybe she but, got really into the character. Yeah, and she's she does, she worked on movies. Like, you know, she comes yeah. from the 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 movies where they uh, fucking, you know, the with like Paul Rudd in them where they did yeah, a more little more like improvising kind of like, yeah. yeah. We're, we're doing that kind of like, let's riff and do some lines, you know, at the end of this scene. And pick put the funniest one in the movie. So some of those lines could just be her. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I just even apart from the funnier lines that are added, just her entire portrayal is again 
originally in the movie nailed it because it's just exactly what you imagine. At mm-hmm. least to me, it's kind of exactly what I imagined. Um, but then just takes it to another layer, another level by just being incredibly funny. Um, absolutely. I liked that we get to see the propaganda film. In yeah. this. It's mentioned. Is it? I didn't even book. remember. Or it they being mention mentioned. like they mention like going over a history of Pan Am and like they do this every year and yeah, she yeah. kind of like checks oh, out. Oh, she tones out. Yeah, during yeah. I think it you're because right. you know it's like yes. that that film that you watch in school every right. single year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, no, I do. Remember yeah, that I like now. that we actually get to see it. Yeah, uh, this is a very little thing that I just only barely noticed is that after she volunteers. And the uh, the peacekeepers, which is what they're called, uh, they're like the security force. They're the they're the cops. Um, are leading her up to the stage. She's already walking up to the stage when this mm-hmm. they, they like Effie like calls her up or whatever. She's already kind of walking up to the stage, but the peacekeepers both, and there's a very distinct close up of them both putting their hand on her back. Yeah, and like. Not again. She's already going that direction. It seemed, at least that's how it, it, it felt like to me. That's what it looked like to me is that she was already kind of walking in that direction. But there was something very intentional about showing that shot of them putting their hand on her back. And I, I could be wrong, but to me, it felt like it was playing into sort of um, and and um, using shorthand for that patronizing action of a man escorting a young woman using that shorthand for this whole situation a little bit. Do you Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? No, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm familiar with the hand on the back. Right. Yeah, and just the way that it's done felt very, again, just felt very intentional and little detail, little moment that I think without people even realizing it Uh could add a lot of um, subtextual villain not even villainy uh subtextual just like unease to this whole situation just that little the way the hand is placed on the back and again if it hadn't been like a distinct close-up that they cut in for i wouldn't have even noticed it but i was like you're doing this on purpose you're showing me this for a reason and i think that's (laughs) what's going on there i so after katniss volunteers uh she gets up on stage and there's this big dramatic moment where Nobody claps and they salute her and all this stuff. And then Hamish drunkenly comes out and starts rambling and then falls off the stage. Yeah, that's what happens in the book. In the book. And I am glad that the movie cut Hamish, Hamish's part there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fun little moment in the book, but to me it really cheapens the drama of this scene. Like and and the and the tension and the and the the how heavy everything is, and everything that's just transpired, having Hamish at the end of that come out and be like, boom, like drunkenly fall off the stage and do a pratfall wouldn't have fit yeah. tonally at all. No, I agree. I I do kind of wish we had at least seen him there, because I, I like I, I yes, like I wish idea. he had been on the stage. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of where in the book they both like kind of know him already right. or at least know of him yeah whereas in the movie it seems like the train is their first ever encounter with him yeah i feel like they say something in the movie about like have you seen Hamish or something like yeah. i feel like they do allude to knowing him and i think 
I think that there is a way that the movie could have done something similar to what happened in the book. Not the exact same thing, because I think you're right, especially about him like falling off the stage. But I think there's a way to do that that further adds to the like demoralizing nature of that scene. Oh, I think what they do, I think I agree with you completely that it would have been better if he had been in the scene. I think he, cause he's on the state, like he should come out and sit in one of the, cause mm-hmm. this, in the movie he's, or in the book, he's sitting on the stage with the mayor and stuff. And then at the end of the ceremony, he gets up to say a few words and, and drunkenly mumbles and then stumbles off the stage. I think what you do is you just have him on stage in the background and it doesn't yeah. even need to be something that's specifically like pointed out to us as an audience. He doesn't need to say a line. I think like a little detail that would be really good uh, and, and even a better character building moment for him, have him come out on stage, clearly inebriated yeah, sitting in the seat. And then like when the Anthem plays or something, he like doesn't stand up initially and like somebody like, yeah, yeah. Gets yeah, him to stand up. You know like what I that, mean? Like, yeah. Like just a little moment where somebody like nudges him and he's like, uh, and he like rolls his eyes and stands up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because he like he he's disillusioned with that with the whole thing and he also hates the capital and that sort of thing. Um, but he's got to go through this rigmarole. I think that would be fine. I think that yeah. would be a good way. I think they just wanted a more personal introduction to him mm-hmm. where we didn't first see him kind of as a background character. I think yeah, is what I they were that. going for yeah. with with just let it giving him to us on the train. But yeah, I. I just don't want. No, but I, I like the idea that he's part of District 12. Yes. As he is in the book. He's yeah. like an, an institution. Yeah. If you will. Yeah, because I do agree that that doesn't come across in the movie. That it doesn't. You could assume in the movie that he like lives in the capital or something. Yeah. And that or on just, the train. Or on I the train. Know. Well, you could assume he lives in the capital and just comes out for the reaping or right. whatever. But he, no, he lives in District yeah. 12 in like one of the champions houses. I do like in the movie that the flashback to Peta Fila giving bread to Katniss when she's mm-hmm. starving one time is kind of piecemealed out to us. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, so where initially we get like when she sees Peta the first time, we get a flash to her remembering seeing him that night where he gave her food. But we don't know what their whole trans like. We don't, right. know, exactly we don't know exactly what transpired, what transpired there. Transpired. I like that. I think yeah. it wor- and I don't know if it works as well in the book form like i don't know if you you how you do that in a book in the same way you would do it in a movie where you can just give us a brief flash of that moment yeah i don't know you know what i mean i I don't Mm -hmm. know if it works to like start giving us that backstory in the book and then cut away from it and then cut i don't know but i I like the i like the movie's version of it i also i just want to say about that and i should have mentioned this earlier i don't think that the movie did a particularly good job of portraying what exactly was going on no, with Katniss. No, I uh, absolutely agree. I just, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, because yeah. she, because she's supposed to be like starving to starving death. Starving to death. Like literally starving to death in that moment when he gives her this bread. Yeah, and we, but we just see her like laying there, laying there like she could be tired, she could be, she drunk. Could be sick, <laughs> she, yeah, she could be drunk. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I had the same note. I just forgot to write it down because I was like, well, how would you know what her, yeah. what's going on with her you right now? You couldn't possibly. No. Yeah, he could be giving her that bread to soak up alcohol. Yeah. We don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, I completely agree. I thought that was kind of dumb. They just needed more backstory on yes. that. Um, but, so we mentioned earlier that they changed that Madge, in the book, Madge gives Katniss the pin mm-hmm. when she's, after the, she, after the pen, reaping, yeah. she gives her the Mockingjay pin. Uh, 
and they change that in the in the movie to her buying it or whatever. But she gives it to Prim before the reaping, mm-hmm. and it's like, here, this Mockingjay will protect you or whatever. Um, and then afterwards, after the reaping happens and, and Katniss volunteers and Prim comes in, Prim gives it back to her, yes. which I like that moment. Yeah, I do, I do like that. If I like gonna, that we got that out of that change. Yeah. For for that change, which is it, I under is an understandable change, the way they did it, I think yes. they executed it pretty well. I liked the moment of Katniss watching some footage from a previous uh, year in the Hunger Games while she's on the train. I don't know that it measures up to the stuff that she just remembers in the book, but I, th- I liked that we at least got a little bit of that in there. Yeah. I also liked... Uh, Elizabeth Banks' line when she stabbed the table, and she's like, that, that is, is mahogany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not from the book. It's a good no. line. <laughs> so I mentioned it earlier, but we talked about how the the designers and stuff are the ones who are, like, pushing this this relationship narrative with them. And one of the little details of that is that when they're going out for the big parade, um, Cinna tells them to hold hands. Mm-hmm. He's like, hold hands. And, and they do. In the movie... It's just PETA who does it. He just kind of grabs her hand as they're going out. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, there's no implication that anybody told him to do it. It's just something he did. I like that change in giving that to PETA. Um, I could see both ways. I do like yeah. the constructed narrative of it from the designer side, but. I, I like the constructive narrative, constructed narrative, I will say. I think there's um, some messaging going on about storytelling. Um, and I think there's also an interesting an interesting component of like who creates the narratives and who's constructing them. And in in this particular case, we like the person who's constructing it, but that's not always the case. Yeah, I agree. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I like both. I don't know. I, I might, I like the overall idea of them building this narrative more and about, Again, what that says about um, storytelling and the power of, of narrative and that sort of thing. It felt in character for me, to me, that Peter would do that on his own. Maybe, I agree, yeah. As opposed to, like, somebody having to tell him to do it. In the book, President Snow is described as a small, thin man. Mm-hmm. And I really think that in this instance, for this character, that uh, bigger is better here. Yeah. Uh, and Donald Sutherland, who they cast, we talked about in the prequel, like, begged for this role, apparently. Um, I he's just more imposing because Donald Sutherland is not small or yeah, thin. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's just a, like a large man, and I think that he he's much more imposing. But I also think Donald Sutherland is perfect for this role because he has such incredible paternal energy that makes him f- everything feel a little more sadistic yes. and like him it makes him even more terrifying that he comes a your initial impression of him is paternalistic mm-hmm. and you see uh you know father marsh or whatever um from the wasn't he in uh, oh from uh little women no, no no not little women he was in pride and prejudice pride and prejudice he's um B- bennett mr bennett mr bennett yeah. Yes, I, I was, uh, that's right. It's Bob Odenkirk in the yes. most recent <laughs> Little Women. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but you know that's you're, you're, I'm seeing Mr. Bennett, I, and then he, but he's this horrifying. He's a hor- horrifying dictator, fat, fascistic leader, and it's <laughs> yeah. I I like that dichotomy, and yes. I think that if he was like a frail old man, it wouldn't. 
it wouldn't work for me as well, yeah. I don't think. I, I think he really hit the nail on the head with, like, the paternal energy. I think he's very good at that. And what's interesting to me, too, about him as an actor is that he's kind of got, like, a duality of man thing going on with that specifically because he can have a very warm positive paternal energy like he does in Pride and Prejudice but he can also have the flip side of the coin where he has like a toxic negative paternal energy yeah yes Um, but it's always and it works even better for this because even though he's physically imposing by being large you never get the I you would never get the feeling or the fear that he personally is going to like hit somebody yeah it's it's not that it's it's that he holds wields the power mm-hmm. to destroy your life mm-hmm. and and he, but he'll do it while 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 putting a crown on your head and smiling at you and 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 giving you a warm fatherly hug he'll have be having your family murdered or what you yeah. know what i mean yeah. like and i and i really think that that is perfectly encapsulates the character from what little we know of him in the first book because he's even he's in the first book less than he's in the first movie. Yes, yeah. But uh, and he's not even in the first movie that much. Um, but I do think that it's a perfect casting and and a, an upgrade from the description we get in the book. I like the costumes from the parade in the movie. Yeah, I thought they were better. The movie describes them as being like a leotard. The book. They're the yeah. The book describes them as being like a black leotard yeah. with the headdress. And I liked that we get like an, an elaborate like leather leather costume future costume (laughs) yeah Yeah. they're kind of i don't know i had mixed feelings they look dumb but they're supposed to look dumb like everything in the capital looks dumb so that's like the point (laughs) like it's it's all like over the top and uh you know extravagant in a way that borders on absurd and and uh yeah i i but they are cool i i like them there's a so we don't get like the shower and stuff scene in mm-hmm. in the Capitol building where uh, Katniss and is staying, but we do have this little moment that the movie adds. It's not in the book, where she's her window. I think it's the window, or it's it's a viewing screen or whatever. And she's she has a controller and she's flipping through to like different mm-hmm. settings. Um, and she ends up, it's like a desert, and then it's like the city and then whatever, and then she ends up on trees that yeah. look like the forest from her home. And it's a very little moment. Um, and I like that, you know, she lands on this, the safety of the, of the, of, and the comfort of the woods. And it like this little moment where it hangs on her looking at it longingly is a, is a great little character moment that I thought the movie added. Yeah. I liked that moment. I was also curious if it's supposed to be like, you could flip to all the different districts. I mean, maybe, yeah. Because the first one she goes to looked like the capital. Yeah. Like, it was like a city street. And the desert could be, like, whatever district is the desert. Yeah, we don't know where all the different districts are yet, at least. I don't know if there's a map in any of the future books or anything like that. I don't think there is, but there might be. I would assume it's one of the higher up numbered ones, since it's closer to the capital well i i to me and uh, this may be a discussion for future episodes because to me the the layout doesn't make a ton of sense i don't know what so district 12 is like appalachia right and the capital is is on the other side of the rockies the capital is i got the it's in the rockies 
is what is agreed upon in canon is that it's like okay. in the Rocky Mountains. Like it might be Denver. I mean, or something they like they that. do they'd like tunnel through at least part of they the go Rockies. up into the mountains. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's supposed to be in the mountains. I think it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like Denver or something like that. Interesting. Um, and so, but to me, that I thought was wild because if it's, it would imply that the capital is more centrally located, and thus. There would have to be some districts on the like on the west coast. Well, depending on how much of the coast we That's lost, true. though. Yeah, that is true. Um, if if, and we know that District Eleven is like agriculture, so that's it's supposed to be, be like the, the Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's my point is that that seems like I don't I guess we don't know how much of the East Coast we lost, right? Because there was a District Thirteen, which was potentially Beyond further District east 12, than Twelve, yeah. but Twelve's so that could be. Like the East Coast, essentially, like mm-hmm. that could have been inland, like you know, East Coast, right? Maybe, but I still think it doesn't track. That's there's still too many. Here, here's my point: if if eleven is the agricultural and is the Midwest, where are the other ten districts between? I'm, I'm the almost Midwest? sure we can find a map. I know of this. between the Midwest <laughs> and the Rocky Mountains, that is not yeah. that much of a distance. You can drive that in a day and a half or a day or something like that. And so it's wild to me that I, I don't know where the other districts are. So because in my head they were like concentric, but I right. feel like they must not be. They must be like more regional. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it it must be that d- district like one is like just like Washington State or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, yeah, surely there's a map, even if it's not like a a canon map. It's probably like a fan made best guess map right. or something. Anyways, we got to move along. We can't. We, yeah, no, we look. We'll find a map at some. Yeah, point. we we have two. We have more. Many more episodes to discuss the the, the geographical uh, layout of Pan Am. I liked the moment of Rue hiding up on the ceiling with the knife. Yeah, I thought that was a nice. Um, Just set up for yeah, her set up skills. for her character and for her skill set. Yeah. Uh, another uh, perfect Effie line. That's not in the book is they're talking about the career, tributes. the career tributes. I don't even remember what about them. Uh, there's something about them. And they're like, well, they don't get any special treatment. Yes. Though. Yeah. She, yeah. She goes, they don't get any special treatment, though. <laughs> and she says, and I don't think they let them have dessert. And you can. <laughs> Which I is such this, a great line. It's such a great line. And I love like lines like that, I think, are what helps elevate her yes. character. Yeah. It's just this wildly like tone deaf <laughs> Completely oblivious. To make them feel better. She's, but like bless damn, her heart. she tried. She's yeah. Bless her heart. <laughs> yeah. And you can. Yeah, it's such a good line. Uh, and the delivery is just completely perfect. Uh, there's a tiny scene where Hamish is wa- is out in the Capitol. Um, I don't remember what he's like in a lobby. Somewhere, yeah, he's like in a lounge like. or something, and he's watching the uh, some random kids. Well, later this looks like the roughly the same place where he's like wheeling and dealing mm-hmm. to get them gifts or whatever. But in this moment, he's watching a family or whatever, and there's this little kids yeah. who have toy swords and they're like stabbing each other and their parents with them and stuff. And it's it's just a little moment of Hamish like uh, just <sighs> seeing him kind of dealing with you know this weird this this weird dichotomy of I don't even know if dichotomy is the right word um, dissonance between like 
like what he knows reality the is. reality of the situation of people murder of these kids murdering each other in this this terribly brutal um you know <laughs> gladiatorial games yeah uh juxtaposed with these little kids like having fun with like yeah. foam swords it's wild so we mentioned that president snow doesn't play a major role in the book at least in terms of like page time mm -hmm. um but we get some extra scenes with him in the movie and i think they're all really good scenes specifically this one is a very good scene uh where he's talking to seneca crane and he's he's like why is there a winner <laughs> Why do we have a winner, Seneca? Yeah. And Seneca's like, what? What do you mean? He's like, why don't we just round up 24 kids and murder them all if we want to keep them in line, if we want to scare them or, you know, be imposing? We could just round up 24 of their kids and murder them all. But why do we have a winner? And he's like, hope. And he goes to this is conversation about, you know, this is how we keep them in line. So we, you know, murder them, but also give them hope. Um, great scene that I think mm -hmm. kind of thematically pushes things forward. Um, but also gives us a little bit more of a little bit more building of Snow's character, which we yes. just don't get any of yeah. in the book. I don't think we even hear him talk no. yet in the book. No, yeah. they see him at the beginning. And then again and then at, the, at end. the end. Yeah. And that's it. We don't like interact with him, really. I like that they add fire to her interview dress. Yes. Spinny fire flame dress was yes. my note. Yes. Uh, in the book, she has a dress that is like it's the it's vibe like, I got crusted with jewels yeah and the way the light hits them kind of looks like looks flames. like fire when yeah. she spins but in it makes sense in the movie there was like no it just actually shoots out flames we have yeah. fake flames yeah we there. know that they can do this yeah. like fake flame technology so yeah. why not why not yeah i thought that was a good idea there's a after she confronts Peta after the interview where he confesses his love for her and she's like how dare you do that like mm -hmm. made you me look made like me an look idiot. weak yeah and she, like, in the book, she pushes him. In the movie, she kind of, like, pushes him up against the wall. In the book, she, like, shoves him and he falls through, like, a coffee table. Yeah. She ha it's the moment from uh, the beginning of the second Twilight where, <laughs> <laughs> where she falls through the coffee table and cuts her hand or whatever. Um, but Peter like, slices up his hand on a vase or something like that. Uh, and he's all, he has to get his hands bandaged up the mm -hmm. day before the Hunger Games starts. Now, I put this in better movie because I, I feel like it doesn't, matter in the yeah book. it doesn't go anywhere like it's made a point that like she hurt him and this oh it's gonna hinder him in the games but he's but as, yeah, seems as fine. far as we know it doesn't hinder him and it's because and based on what we know of their medicine they could probably just yeah it's not like he was bleeding to death he just got a cut on his hand yeah, like they probably have like a magic solve that they, they put take on care of that in 24 hours yeah. he's fine so stitches i stitches up his hand i just thought it was i don't know i guess part of that was just to kind of ex uh, amp up her the the fire within her character a little bit that mm -hmm. she does hurt him um, and also she feels bad about it i just don't think it really went anywhere and didn't really matter so just having her confront him and like shove him against the wall this does the same thing yeah i agree i don't know um i liked how the movie portrayed the katniss starting to freak out right before she goes up into the arena yeah where it seems like she kind of starts to have a panic attack yeah and also the whole time in the build-up to that i mean she's terrified in the book from the description but in the movie she's like shaking the whole mm -hmm. time and i it's you know a little subtle thing but it's it works really well 
Um, that whole scene is great. I have it in the movie Nailed It because I think that entire scene is just like yeah. <laughs> spot on. Um, but there is some little details that I, I really love, including one of the, uh, the her like having a panic attack, but also the way the sound cuts out when the tube shuts. Mm-hmm. A little detail that, you know, can't really get from the book in the same way. Um, and then cuts her off from Cinna. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Great scene. Great yeah. moment. I also liked um, once they're in the arena and she's running away from the the initial bloodbath, having her and Foxface like bump into each other and just stare at each other in terror for a second before they both run off. It does give us a little bit for Foxface's character that she's yeah. not for direct confrontation. Mm-mm. That's not what she's about. No, it's not her thing. <laughs> she spends the rest of the games just running and, and stealing food from people. So there's a little moment where Katniss climbs the tree to sleep for the first night and she hears a camera yeah. in the tree and she turns around and looks into it and that's how we go into the game maker's world. And I liked seeing mm-hmm. like that that little implication of like these cameras and like everything. Right. Yeah, I liked that we got to see that cuz the book never addresses where exactly the cameras are. Yeah. She knows she's on camera all the time. She's yeah. like, yeah, we're always on camera, but it, yeah, there's not Yeah, but they never yeah, it never discusses like, oh, they're hidden in things yeah. or they're little like pods that fly around and yeah. follow you or yeah, it's, it's never addressed. Like that. So having it be just like they're in the environment all over the place makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I um, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but this wasn't quite how I read this in the book. I liked that there was some kind of like force field around the arena and then there's like it becomes like a giant screen that they can see the the pictures of the dead tributes it's it it is slightly different in the sense that you don't get the vibe in the book that there's like a dome over them yeah because although i think there is no i in fact i know there is based on future books from my memory but because they are in a contained like environment i mean in the book it's described as like a projection yeah. in the sky, like a bat signal, basically. The uh, it, It's not clear that you would get the vibe that there's, like, it's being projected on, like, a dome above them. To me, you would see it more of, like, a bat signal spotlight kind of mm-hmm. thing in the sky. So it's a slight difference. But I, I guess I see what you're saying, because it does make the world feel a little more... It feels, it feels a, little, it's a little more claustrophobic. Yes, and it gives you the, and it and it helps build the um, the Truman Show vibes of the whole thing yes, by having yeah. it be like a dome that is over them, as opposed to just like a up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it makes it very clear, especially in the movie, that this is they're in like this thirty mile circle yeah. or whatever, a very it's, contained and controlled environment. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to just cut. After she gets stung by the tracker jackers and passes out, she just wakes up and she has been treated. Rue has found her and treated Mm -hmm. her wounds while she was passed out. Yeah. There's some intervening stuff in the book that's irrelevant, like just gets to the important part there. And it makes sense because Rue knew that she was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense that she would just come and find her. Come and and find her and and treat her. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps a little bit in the sense of like, just kind of Rue was helping her without knowing without because in the book like Rue comes up to her like comes up to like finds her like she's building a campfire Mm -hmm. she's cooking birds she's cooking rabbits or something and Rue comes up and then Katniss talks to her and is like oh yeah hey do you want to be allies blah 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 and then we have a conversation I think in the movie just having Rue help her first yes essentially yeah 
is a and like advantage. understand that about Katniss. Yeah. I also liked having Katniss be able to get Rue out of the trap before she's killed. Yeah. Is a good small gut wrench of a change. Yes. Yeah, because especially for book readers. Yeah. Cuz yeah, she does in the book it's it's to me the vibe I get is that she's in one of those um like in uh, Return of the Jedi where they get pulled up into the mm-hmm. the net and they're like hanging from the ceiling or hanging from a tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the vibe. I can't remember if that's exactly what is described in the book or not. But that was like the vibe I got. Um, and maybe not, maybe whatever, whatever. But yeah, getting her out of the net and then it seems like, oh, maybe she'll be, uh, and, then, and then the guy's behind him and throws yeah. the spear. And then we return to District 11. Well, we don't return because we haven't actually been there yet. Yes. Um, but we see District 11 returning Katniss's three fingers salute. Yeah. And then rioting. And then rioting. Uh, I, I, this was, I mentioned this earlier that, um, so I was disappointed they didn't send the bread, but I was okay because I thought this is a much better mm-hmm. moment to give us in the, in the movie. To be fair, I don't remember if this is described as having happened in, at this moment in, the future books because yeah we don't we never leave Katniss's perspective in the book right which is one of the things that for stuff like this and stuff with the game makers it's one of the weaknesses of the book in that regard is that we're only from Katniss's perspective and so we don't know what's going on in other parts of the world so this I can't recall if this did happen and the and and it's described as having happened in later books and the movie just showed us it happening in real time or if this was just a movie ad. Either way, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I think it makes a ton of sense. I also think that making it be... So it's District 11 that is rioting, which is a predominantly... If not predominantly, has a large population, a black population in yes. it. Yes. Um, uh, both Rue and Thresh are black. And they're described as black in the book. Yeah, that very explicitly. wild to me when I found out that was a thing. I, <laughs> wild. <laughs> Like, I, it's like you just didn't read the book, apparently, because yeah. they're literally. Yeah. So large black population. And it's I thought the movie made a very distinct choice. Again, I don't know if this is addressed in the in the books later on, but I thought the movie made a very distinct choice that when this ride after all this writing takes place after Rue is killed um, and they're like, they're, you know, they're burning down buildings and toppling over grain things. And uh, but the way the peacekeepers put this down is by literally they, they bring in um, armored vehicles with fire hoses on top of them. And it's it's very um, obvious imagery that they're going mm-hmm. for here to the yeah. civil yes. rights protests of the '60s and the fire hoses used on, on protesters back then. Um, and so I thought it, it all it was just great, and it made a lot of sense. And it it all yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's a continuation too of some of what Suzanne Collins have obviously had to say about race yeah. in the book, because uh, we know District Eleven. I mean, we don't see it like we do in the movie, but we know that Rue and Thresh are both black. Yeah. So we can assume it's a large black population yeah. based on the sample that we're yeah. shown. Two, two out of two that we see yeah. are black characters. Um, and we know that that is the agricultural district. Yep. And they are not allowed to eat the crops. Nope. We learn from Rue. Yeah. Because Katniss is like, oh, you guys must have plenty of food. And Rue's like, we're not allowed to eat any of it. Yeah. Um, and specifically the line, if you steal the food, they whip you and make everyone else watch yeah. with some very clear allusions to American slavery. Yeah. And 
I think we have <laughs> got a, a, a big message there. Yeah. Because if something similar were to happen to American society, similar to what happens in this book, if you don't think that's exactly how that would go down, yep. you are a damn fool. Yep. Yeah. But I also think it's 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 one of those things where this movie gets is both or this story, the book and the movie is is intersectional, but also very clearly. I mean, the whole thing is a class metaphor. Yes. <laughs> like the entire thing is a class metaphor. Yeah. And, and we'll see where that goes in later books. But from the first, this first book is, is just, it lit- I mean, the districts are going descending order of class, essentially. Yeah. Like the, the capital is your, your 1%, your district one or like the richest district apart from the capital. Um, and then we And then we go all the way down there. the line from there. Um, but I think it's interesting that, that even within this big class narrative there is still Suzanne Collins still acknowledges the the intersectionality of e- of even within this completely f- fucking um nightmare capitalist system we have going on here that even within that um th- uh identity still matters and the fact mm-hmm. that because Katniss remarks that like well we've nobody's been whipped in like that's a rule yeah. in their uh in district. their district they have rules about like public whipping. So she goes, but nobody's been whipped in public forever. And she goes, maybe it's because the mayor doesn't really like she's, mm-hmm. you know, but her district is a predominantly white district. Yeah. Um, and I think there is still some, you know, that even within this horrifying class disparity that we have between the, the districts, um, we also have other disparities that mm-hmm. are going on and that, that, that they're addressing. Um, we'll see if they, if, if, the story more explicitly addresses any of that stuff later on. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't recall, but. And there's also this interesting um, tidbit that we're given as Katniss and Rue are talking to each other that the Capitol doesn't want people from other districts knowing what goes on in the other districts. And yeah. I think that's an important part of the message, too, is that we need to band together. Yeah. Fucking well, unionized. And that was the other part that I <laughs> yes, here. that was the other part that I had that I wanted to mention and I have it in the movie nailed it, um, which is Gail's political rabble rousing, but it makes sense to talk about here is and I because he does in the movie, Gail does shit talk the Capitol a little bit and, and rabble rouse. Yeah. Um but I do wish that he had mentioned, and this is one of the things that why I thought I had had it in the book was better, is that in the book he explicitly goes on to mention that the Hunger Games are specifically, in his opinion, the Hunger Games are specifically designed to keep them all divided by creating this artificial tension between the poor and the slightly less poor. So yeah. so District 5 or whatever, or District 3, which has, uh, which is more well-to-do and has uh, tributes who can train and, and want to compete in the Hunger Games and, you know, District 2, 1, 2, and 3 or whatever, which are still not part of it. They still have to send tributes they are still Mm -hmm. not part of the quote-unquote like ruling class and gail has identified and 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 come to the realization that it's like obviously the capital is doing this so that we can't band together like we yeah if if we're all worried about fighting with each other um and and we're we're angry and we hate district one because their their people always kill our people in the hunger games and district one feels superior to us yes then we're never going to do anything about the fucking capital. Yeah. And that's, and, and then, yeah, Gail talks, you know, he said he has a whole line about it. And it's like, 
There it is. There kids. it is, guys. <laughs> fucking Gale out here. Uh, fucking Comrade Gale. <laughs> yeah. I hope that one uh, iTunes reviewer is listening to this episode. <laughs> Man, uh, good thing that person dipped before this. Yeah. It, for people who don't follow us on social media who are listening to this, we had a, a one-star review, um, which we have a few of those, and usually it's because I talk too much, which is fair. Um, <laughs> but we had a, uh, a one-star review from somebody who's saying they enjoyed it until we got political. <laughs> Or something like got that. Got political. It's like, what? Until we got, got political. political. Clearly never, like, what What, what episode you, did you listen what to? What have you been listening to? Because it was not our podcast. No, it was not our podcast, yeah. Wild. Oh, boy. Um, I really like that, so they make the big announcement that the rules are changing and that uh, there can be two winners, you know, uh, both dis- champions from one district can win. Uh and that's what happens in the book, but it's in in the movie. We have this little scene where we see Haymitch mm-hmm. is the person who talked to Seneca and was like who who gave him this idea to make this rule change, which I thought was a cool little change. I like. Yeah, that. I liked that the movie like implied that it was his idea yeah. to do that. It's not implied. We see him suggest it to. I mean, we don't literally hear him say it. Don't we? No. We see them talking, but there's no... We don't actually hear their dialogue. Oh, I could have swore that we... It was very... I mean, it's obviously what happened, okay. <laughs> but we don't literally hear okay, him okay, say okay. that. Yeah. Uh, I like that the movie just has Peta pass out from his injury. Like, he just kind of falls into, a, you know, like a feverish... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, fugue state from his injury, as opposed to Katniss having to roofie him to go to the to go to the feast yeah it just doesn't i mean like i get i get it in the book it's like Peta's like you don't go to the feast i don't want you to go to the feast says the same thing in the movie but then in the book he goes to the extra length of like and i'll i'll get up and i'll go out there and i'll yell and scream and and stop and like they'll come and find me if you like it's just this whole thing and it's like and it just makes sense in the movie that he would he's super injured he's yeah he's hurt he just passes out out, and while he's asleep she just goes yeah yeah okay makes sense sure fine it makes even more it would make even more sense in the book because he's even more injured in the book than he is in the movie like he's not even barely conscious or or like able to string together rational thoughts in the book at this point the whole thing was dumb so this is a little change but when after they Peta's got his medicine and he's healing and they go out hunting, mm. um, they split up so that she can go hunt something uh, and he's collecting berries or whatever. And in the book, she whistles for him and he doesn't respond or whatever. And then yeah. she goes, she freaks out and goes to try to find him in the movie. I like that they have the cannon go off. Yes. And that's what triggers her yeah. to freak out because she's like, oh, shit. And it's the cannon for Foxface. And the cannon does go off in the book, but not until after she finds Peta, I think. Right. I like yeah, the, It makes sense to yeah. just clip those yeah, together. Put it together and then make the, that cannon be the thing that it, it also ma- it makes her panic make a little more sense. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Somebody died. Like, who? Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, little change, but makes a ton of sense. Uh, when the dogs get introduced. We, and we already talked about what we liked better about that. Yeah. Um, but I did like uh, when they initially hear them, uh, Peta says, what is that? And Katniss says, it's the finale. Yeah. I liked that line. <laughs> 
And I also liked that by showing the inside of the game control room, which obviously we can't do in the book because we're in Katniss's perspective, but I liked that it allowed the movie to raise some interesting questions about what is actually real really? inside the arena. What do you mean? I feel like because like we see these dogs materialize out of what looks like computer bits. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it, to me it it definitely the the tech in the movie feels maybe a little more advanced than what at least from the first book mm-hmm. than the tech in the book now they have very advanced medical technology right they have hovercrafts right they have um they have lots of advanced technology but in particular the way that the the stuff in the arena plays out i never got the vibe that they were like weird computer generated stuff in the in the ring it's all like physical stuff right no and we we know it's physical and it's it's a real place because like they i mean they kill and eat animals yeah while they're there there's real stuff there but like particularly that specific moment with the dogs where we see them like materialize and they look i actually didn't notice that they they look like computer like animation like they look like they materialize like the matrix at first and but don't we see that in the control room we do but then we see it we see them materialize in in the arena arena. okay i missed that part then i must have but then they appear to be real well they have to be real because they are like yeah they maul them (laughs) yeah so like how did they do that? That's I guess that's what I mean when it, the technology in the movie that that's way beyond like we have a hovercraft. That's yeah. like we can create matter out of <laughs> we can create life thin air. Yeah, we create life. Yeah, um, <laughs> it 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 is a little beyond what it's a little bit and like if this were a different because in the book they're specifically described as coming out of like the ground they're like or they go into like a hole in the ground at the end after the which makes sense that makes perfect sense like a gladiator arena like the way they they heard them in and out of like underground tunnels that makes perfect sense but specifically what happened in the book made me think like yeah in the movie (laughs) sorry (laughs) boy made me think like if this were a different kind of a futuristic dystopian series yeah it would like pull back and we would find out that all of the tributes were actually like in a matrix-esque thing where they were just like plugged into it and they weren't actually experiencing any of this stuff yeah or vice versa the opposite of that which is the which is ender's game i think right <laughs> um i've never read ender's there's game, the, so i don't there's know some, i think it's ender's game or something there's some uh there's some series where or book or whatever where they think they're playing a game but they're actually murdering people yeah like, i think that is that i ender's think that game? is ender's yeah. game yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's like that, almost like the opposite of yeah uh so i like giving them a little bit more of a fight on top of the cornucopia but with kato mm-hmm. not much it's just which it's makes, a little bit more it's a little bit more of a fight whatever it, i i say that i like it it's kind of the, not the point <laughs> like but whatever <laughs> um but specifically i really we both had this note i do like giving kato like a a, a breakdown yeah he has a, a bit of a a bit of a snap yeah and Where he, he sees the matrix. He sees, the, yeah, he sees the lines <laughs> in the code. He he sees the the code in the uh, 
in the walls and is it realizes that he's just like a broken cog in this machine that has been chewed up and spit out and 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 snaps and is like wants to die and becomes like suicidal and it's it's interesting and I, we mentioned it earlier that it's it's sort of the the way that makes the most sense for having to do this moment with him because mm-hmm. in the book Katniss kind of realizes this about him yeah and hear him vocalizing it and realizing it himself and vocalizing it lets the audience realize that but also makes it more tragic that he realizes that in this mm-hmm. moment and mm-hmm. and again turns him from again kind of what we talked about way long time ago at the beginning from turns him from this just this villain character into yeah. like a, this tragic part of the machine that is it's not individual villains that are the problem it's this whole fucking system yeah. like that's the problem <laughs> uh speaking of kato holy shit um his death in the movie is way better it plays out essentially identically but over mm-hmm. a much reduced time span in the book they so they exact same thing he shoots him in the hand falls off the thing and then gets mauled by the 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 dogs but in the book they sit on top of this cornucopia and listen to him slowly get eaten by these dogs for hours yeah and first off i don't understand these things are huge they're described as pretty big in the book. Right. I don't understand how it takes them so long to kill him or they oh, don't. No. Maybe they, the game makers specifically stop them from, maybe that's the implication is that the game yeah, makers stop them from like, killing him. Yeah. They just like hurt him a lot. And then, so eventually he lays down there forever, like moaning and then eventually crawls out far enough that Katniss can shoot him in the head and kill him. Um, and I, it makes way more sense in the movie to just, just push that just, together. It's, just put him out of and, his misery. And that's a moment where I actually think that it, while I agree, overall, the movie sucks or sucks the brutality out in a mm-hmm. way that I think is undermining the message a little bit. In this moment, I don't think it, I think it's still just as brutal. It's just, it it, it helps the time frame of the story, but it also helps, I think, uh, our characters a little bit more yeah. just having her immediately shoot him yeah. now in the book she can't he's like underneath they can't get to him to right. kill him so like it, it, but still i it just i don't know it's kind of this weird off-putting like hours of them listening to him suffer right and again i think there's a point there i just don't know if it it, it, it really is that important of a point we already got right. the point yeah and, and i think it's also like what happens in the movie i think is true to katniss's character because yeah. i think she would just immediately yeah well and i think go in for the mercy kill i think she would have in the book i think it's a, yeah. again i think it's yeah, implied that she, she just, just can't. can't she can't get to him which is again i think it's kind of dumb but whatever um so they 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 have to kill each other because the uh, the the rule change has been revoked, and mm-hmm. so now Peta and Katniss have to kill each other. Um, except that they don't. Yes, except that they don't. <laughs> oh, and I had a note. Did I not have? There's. Uh, I don't know. I thought I had this in better in the book, but I, I I know I wrote this note down, but it's now gone from my notes. So I'll mention it here because it's about this part. When they tell them they have to kill each other, mm-hmm. there's this little moment in the book that I really love that the movie cuts. They say that, and then Peter reaches into his waistband to pull his knife out. Yeah. And Katniss draws her bow and points her arrow at Peter. And Peter just is taking the knife up and then throws it into the lake. And she's like, oh shit, and like puts the bow back <laughs> down. And I really think that's a very 
good character moment for Katniss in mm-hmm. the terms of like it's just who she is. Like, because she does operate on a a slightly different level than most of the people. Like, she's an incredibly like calculating kind of not cold but like practical. She's very practical. She's also at her core, she's a survivor. Yeah, and she has a lot of trauma, and that does shit to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, and she also, it's, I got the vibe throughout the book, personally, that she has trouble understanding other people's emotions and and motivations. Like, she doesn't particularly grasp other people's emotions in the same way that everybody does. Like, there's distinct times in the book. Yeah, at least everybody else in the book. At at least everybody else, yeah. Yeah, and because there's distinct moments in the book where she she has, like, she'll, like, come to a realization about a character Mm-hmm. Like, and what they were actually thinking, like, way after you, you would think somebody would realize what, or, like, at a time, it, like, it takes her thinking through, like, oh, he was just trying to be nice, or, like, oh, and yeah. so I think that that moment of her drawing the arrow on him when she sees him reach for the knife, she's like, oh, shit, and she, she immediately goes into, like, fight or flight mode, I think just works for her character, and it, it deepens that specific type of character that Katniss is, which is a very interesting and unique character. Um, and I was a little disappointed. I was actually very disappointed that the movie cut that. Cause mm. to me, that's one of those, it's a little thing, but it's one of those moments that if you understand your character, you keep in the like in the yes. movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. It's a little thing and maybe people wouldn't get it or whatever, but for people who like, if you get who Katniss is, that moment has to be in the movie. I feel like, but it still works overall like and and it's still good Katniss but it's a little little thing uh but anyway so they eventually are going to kill themselves uh because they're like well fuck it we'll just kill each other and well they're they're actually not yeah. going to we'll, Katniss has well Romeo and Juliet it. Well, and 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 it's implied that Katniss is like this will work like she she kind of like yeah winks and nods at Peta and is like do it come on and, and it's implied not that they're actually I think they actually would go through it but probably but they're banking, at least Katniss is banking mm-hmm. on they won't have to go through with it. Um, but there's this little moment in the movie that is not described in the book where as they're getting ready to kill themselves, Peta like grabs her ponytail yeah. and just touches it. Little thing. I really like it. I feel like it's it's just one of those things that like in that like final moment, like just I don't know. Something about like the, the hair feel is like a very tactile tactile thing and it's like and it's also just i don't know he did also mention in the book and maybe it's a reference to the book he specifically mentions that the moment he fell in love with her when in fifth grade or whatever it was when they were little kids he mentioned specifically her hair yes that was in the book two braids that how she had these two braids or whatever and i thought again just the fact that he grabs her braid is like maybe a very specific book detail call out (laughs) um but either way uh, even without it being that i think it still really works Uh, i liked having president snow notice that she's wearing the mockingjay pin when he crowns them Uh, although i'm not sure that hamish and cinna would have let her take the risk of wearing it during the ceremony yeah I think yeah, I it's a know. moment that makes sense. It, it's a good moment. I do like it. Yeah, I don't know if they would let her wear it. Maybe they would. I don't know. Yeah. And it, it, it's a good visual way to communicate what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so I love the scene. The last scene, one of the last scenes, which is not in the book at all, is 
Seneca is led into the game master for these games is led into a room and locked in the room and he tries to open a door and it's like I said it's locked and then he walks over and there's only one thing in the room and it's this pedestal that has this giant ornate glass vase thing mm-hmm. on it uh, and he walks up to it and the camera camera slowly pushes over the edge and tilts to look down into it and it's just this bowl full of the the nightlock berries yeah um so he got he got a who's the who's the guy who was forced to drink poison uh the greek guy uh aristotle socrates no one of those one of those motherfuckers (laughs) had to drink hemlock (laughs) anyways um i i love that scene i think it's a great again it's it's it perfectly uh helps build the character of the capital of the Mm -hmm. system as a whole that it doesn't matter that even this guy who's ostensibly part of this system um, and is is one of our villains of this movie, you know, essentially, uh, is is still, you know, murdered by yeah. the same system that he is working to enforce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot going on there. Really like it. So I was glad that you had that in the section because I didn't know what to do with that scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, they made that guy commit suicide. How do I feel about that? Is it in book two? I, act- I, I don't, don't know. I, it's, I, so from my memory, it's implied that the they talk about Seneca Crane, the first game master, and he was killed yeah. for what happened. I don't know if they go into any detail or not. I can't recall. Uh, they may it they may specifically describe this scene in the second book. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that, and I specifically love that it cuts from him, his face, his look of realization, and just like oh fuck, directly to Stanley Tucci's laughing, yeah, smiling face at the at the interview after. Ugh so good that juxtaposition when this movie does things right it does them good does real good stuff but just misses some stuff all right we got a few things for the movie nailed it as i expected practically perfect in every way uh buttercup the cat Mm. the cat makes an appearance i didn't i couldn't recall if it was in the movie or not it's not really even in the book that much but they have a cat yes there you go buttercup love a cat uh, Katniss sneaking under the quote unquote high voltage fence to go hunting. Yeah. So in the end of the book, Katniss swears that she's talking to Peta. I think she swears that if they, if she wins the games, she, she'll never have kids. Yes. Like she's like, if we get out of this, I'm never fucking having kids. Yeah. Um, and now they don't have that conversation in the movie, but they move that line about her never having kids to the very beginning when she's talking to Gail, mm-hmm. she says that to Gail and um, I'm surprised that that isn't more of a thing in this universe. And they may get into this in future books. I don't remember um, that. I, I wouldn't be. I would, it would surprise me if that was if that was not more of a thing that like the capital had to deal with, with it, which is like forcing people to have children. I I'm not saying that yeah. they would have to because I could also see it very realistic that regardless, even though this horrible thing is going on, that it's just part of their life now and people just, people just odds are kids, the yeah. odds are going in our favor. Our kids probably aren't going to be one of the ones who are murdered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, you know, I get that. So like I'm I'm not saying that it's impossible that that this wouldn't be a prominent like thing that a lot of people just wouldn't have kids. But I also thought that could be an interesting story element of, like, passive protest of just people not having kids. I mean, I don't know if it's addressed in later books, but 
considering the type of dystopia we have here, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that the capital probably makes any kind of birth control difficult to True. access. Yes. No, I think that's absolutely very, very likely. And I doubt that's addressed. It might be. Who knows? Yeah. It may be. Yeah, because that, that would seem very likely. Yeah. And even if even if it did exist, it's, yeah, they're poor shit. They can barely eat, let alone yeah. get birth control. Uh, tuck in that tail, little duck, that mm, line yeah. Katniss has to prim. Um, it's a very specific line that they uh, had to include or people yes. would be mad. <laughs> and then she wears her mom's blue dress and yeah. the, the intricate braided hairstyle. I thought the whole reaping scene in the courtyard in the you know the big town square with the giant screens and everything felt mm-hmm. exactly like what i imagined reading the book yeah and then like all the kids lined up according to age in the town square yeah i also thought that the capital accent they when they i mean when effie comes out she's our first exposure to the capital accent and mm-hmm. they they just it's described in the book and i mean you can compare it to what you heard in the movie but this is the description from the book why do, why do these people speak in such a high pitch? Why do their jaws barely open when they talk? Why do the ends of their sentences go up as if they're asking a question? Odd vowels, clipped words, and always a hiss on the letter S. No wonder it's impossible not to mimic them. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought uh, the cap- capital accent's kind of exactly what I imagine. Yeah. Of course, the iconic I volunteer is tribute. She says the sign. exact same lines. Yes. Uh, maybe the most iconic an oft-memed yes. scene from this book slash absolutely, movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I love that nobody, they kept the moment where nobody applauds when Effie's like, oh, you're champion, a volunteer, yeah. and everybody just stares. Everybody's like, you nope. know what, fuck you. Yeah. And then uh, the three-finger salute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katniss dressing down her mom and and about like not quote unquote leaving uh yeah. meaning like mentally leaving because yeah. after her dad died katniss had to like take care of the yeah. family her mom sank into a very deep depression yeah it's obvious yeah to us the reader and i will say that i don't i do appreciate that i don't think the movie is essentially doesn't at least it doesn't feel to me like the book or the movie is faulting her mom particularly or like or like being like saying she's like weak or or bad for having had that like falling into that depression katniss is just saying you can't do like i she's trying to do what she can to make sure it doesn't happen again she's like i I think i think what we get in the book is a very interesting portrayal of it because i don't think that the narrative faults her mom for that but katniss i think katniss does but at the same time, we understand why Katniss yes. does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a, Katniss is it's it's understandable all around. I think that's yeah. what's really effective about it in the book is that, yeah, Katniss is mad at her about it, but we get why Katniss is mad because she had to become the mom all of a sudden. Yeah. And so like we get her frustration with it, but you also it doesn't feel like the book is saying that the mom's bad, like I said, yeah. or weak or anything no. necessarily. Um, it is it, sympathetic, but also. Um, since it's from Katniss's perspective, we we're siding with her. Like, yeah, we meaning. understand her frustration with yeah. it. And there was one line in particular from Katniss's like inner dialogue um, in regards to her mom's depression that just killed me. Yeah, that was perhaps it is a sickness, but it's one we can't afford. Yeah. Hello, being relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and that's one of those things where uh, yeah, that line because it is I. It, we're also in a, in a point in the future where they a lot of medicine and stuff, especially in these poor districts, 
um, a lot of science and medicine has been yeah. sort of forgotten or like, mm-hmm. you know, they, there aren't there aren't trained doctors and psychologists and stuff. I'm yeah. sure in the capital there are, but they don't really have that. So, yeah, she, she's like, well, they say it's a sickness, but I yeah, if it is a sickness, we can't afford it. And it's one of those things that, yeah, you can't with yeah. what we talked about order, uh, earlier. It's incredibly expensive to be poor and it's incredibly um, <laughs> in, in a situation like this. It's incredibly <laughs> difficult and impossible to be um to, to suffer from any sort of mental... Yeah, to be, um, to be poor and ill. Yeah, ill in any way, yeah. let alone, yeah. It's... You have to make judgment calls. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's a very... This movie gets... Or this, this book and the movie get to do a very reasonable and practical um, appraisal of survival mm-hmm. in in this sort of situation. But it never feels... It's always clearly critiquing the fact that it's necessary yeah while understanding like Katniss is our is our is our is that is is the practical super like super practical super like uh making hard decisions Mm -hmm. um for whatever she has to do character and she's our protagonist and and we like that about her but it, it it feels in stark contrast to a lot of other stories where that same character that makes those hard decisions is, is treated. She, I'm trying to compare it to like some like zombie fiction or something where similar characters can be that make the tough decisions and are like, like Shane from the walking dead in the first Mm -hmm. couple seasons who is like, and I think the show itself presents Shane obviously in a very specific light that is not flattering necessarily, but he makes the tough decisions, but people, there's a, an audience that watches the character that makes the tough, hard decisions and like glorifies that and sees it as like this aspirational thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's aspirational. Like Katniss's character is aspirational in the sense that she's a good survivor, but it's not, it's, it's, it's the opposite of aspirational in the sense that like, the the narrative very clearly is telling us that it nobody should have to make these decisions. Yeah. yeah. Like nobody should be making these. It's the fact that she has to make these decisions is what needs to yeah, change. It's not Other good. people don't need to be more like Katniss. Katniss doesn't need to have to make these decisions. Like that's what the narrative is saying. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like audiences with s- stuff like this can miss that. Mm-hmm. Again, relating back to like the walking dead and stuff where people can, uh, again, I idealize the f- the character who's making the tough decisions right. without. So you just see a badass. Yeah. Oh, they're a badass. Yes. Yeah. You see a badass without recognizing the, the the bigger picture of of what. And I think, like I said, even in stuff like The Walking Dead, I think the point is that. Yeah. It, the author's but, yeah, intent. Yeah, but I isn't. think you're right. Is that yeah, audiences can miss that the point is that that person shouldn't have to be that badass. Yeah. And also that it's not necessarily good. Like it's it's, it's yeah. even even within that. Like that that's one of the flaws of Katniss is her. It, I don't say flaw necessarily, but it, it, her inability to, or, or the the fact that she does make those super cold decisions at times, is one of the things that it also causes a lot of conflict in her life. Yeah, like with Peta and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that the while it's the show the book is both saying that. Yes, she's a badass who who who's this super cool, level-headed person. But also, that's not necessarily just a cool thing. <laughs> like, it's the, yeah. the, 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 there are bad sides of that. 
Uh, Gail's lines to Katniss when he comes to see her before she leaves, uh, you know how to hunt, and she says animals, and he's like, how different could it be? Yeah. Haymitch is spot on, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, Woody Harrelson's portrayal of Haymitch. It could almost go in better in the movie. He's just pretty much exactly what I imagined from Haymitch, basically. Um, and I think we talked about it in the prequel, but I can't imagine many other people no. playing yeah. <laughs> playing him the way Woody Harrelson does. I thought they nailed Cinna. Yeah. Um, and they got like his description when she first meets him is absolutely spot on, too. Yes. Where he yeah. just has like the little bit of gold eyeliner. Yeah. I, I would ask another one that I actually probably I thought I had a note that I would have put in better in the movie that he is. I think Lenny Kravitz is fantastic yeah. in this role. He perfectly captures He's so cool without even trying. He's just like, and he's so, he has this calming demeanor about mm-hmm. him that, yeah, everything about Cinna is fantastic. Yeah. Peta's lines, uh, where he's talking about how his mother said District <laughs> yeah. 12 might finally have a winner, but she wasn't talking about me. Yeah. She was talking about you. And I think they moved that line a little bit. I think he says it on the train yeah. when, in the book, um, but it, it's a little bit later in the movie, but it is the same line. Yeah. Uh, I thought the movie did a great job capturing the reality TV-ness of the whole thing. Yes. Like I said, I think I got a little bit more of the drawn in in the book where I got lost in it a little bit more, but I still think the movie does a pretty good job mm-hmm. of capturing and I, yeah, and I thought the movie made a really good use of screens. Yeah. Like showing screens and going through screens and yeah. doing these this different things with them. Yeah. Again, kind of breaking that that fourth wall, not even a fourth wall, I guess, but breaking that mm-hmm. that uh to 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 reinforce the artificial constructed uh, yes. nature of the of the Hunger Games and of the whole of the whole system that they're living in. Uh, Peto's cake decorating skills translating to camo. Um, I mean, Some, it's, somehow, somehow, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it works. Uh, the whole evaluation scene, other than yeah. them laughing, like is essentially identical. I will say, um, like she shoots the pig apple. I love, I love. <laughs> this is a better in the movie slightly because it's not described like this in the book. When Seneca walks up. And they're, they're, they bring in the roast pig. His acting in that moment, he goes, hey, who ordered the pig? Oh, and he's like, this guy, this guy. <laughs> and he's like grabs, he's got his arms around. And it's just exactly that kind of douchey character. Yeah. Who's the way everything about the way he delivers those lines? Like, who ordered the pig? Are you are? like, oh, my God, I just want to punch him all in the face. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. Uh, and then the whole thank you for your consideration and a little bow. Mm-hmm. I will say that I like in the book, she does like some sweet tactical roles and stuff. Yeah. She also shoots a couple other things. Like she shoots a light. Yeah. And some different things. Like she's like rolling around shooting different targets and stuff. And I thought that would have been cool to mm-hmm. see, but yeah, whatever. I, un- I understand truncating it a little yeah. bit. Uh, speaking of character, Stanley Tucci is Caesar. Amazing. Spot on. Yeah. Perfect. His outfit, his hair, everything. The portrayal is just perfect he does a great job doing that talk show host thing mm-hmm. it's just yeah it's so good uh, Cinna telling Katniss to pretend that she's talking to him yep. during her interview um, and then her saying that I, I told her Prim that I would try to win for her yeah uh, it, during the interviews Peta and Caesar sniffing each other yeah there's a specific thing out of the book that I, I wrote down because it made me laugh um that was also the moment where i wrote the note about 
about getting drawn in by the whole pageantry or like that that mm-hmm. little scene just it really worked and yeah I was, I was glad they kept that little detail in the movie and then Peta's dramatic because <laughs> she she came here with me yeah huh. uh, and then they have that conversation on the roof uh, about Peta wanting to show them that they don't own him mm-hmm. that he still wants to be himself when he dies a lot of that was like word for word from what I remember yeah it, yeah it was. Uh, Hamish advising her to avoid the bloodbath, to run, find shelter, find water. Yep. Um, when they insert the trackers into their arms. Yeah, so they can know where they're going. Which, and I don't know if this becomes important later. Uh, I believe it does. But they never say that they took that thing out. I believe that may become, come back. I think. I could be wrong. Uh, so we mentioned about the, the, the whole launch tube scene with Senna and everything. And then him, we didn't mention this, he, he specifically puts the pen on her. Yes. Yeah. On her, uh, and that's uh, alluded to in the movie. Like, he, like, holds up. Although, I like the movies, like, I actually like that. It could be a better in the movie moment where he, like, it's, like, shh to her, mm-hmm. like, about the pen. In the book, it's explained that every, every, uh, uh, tribute gets to bring like a token with them yeah. into the ring so like she's allowed to have the pin and they had to like go through a like a process of getting it approved because of that yeah. she could prove she couldn't use it as a weapon because one of the other tributes tried to use bring a ring that turned out to be like a poison dagger ring yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I, I think getting rid of that's fine and just having it be like this little moment of uh, rebellion with Cinna of like smuggling the ring in is a mm-hmm. is a better choice but I do I like that uh, the bow and the arrow or bow and arrows are silver, yes. which is how they're described in the book. And also we talked about in the prequel um, about getting a prop, a prop from the Hunger Games and boo, not this bow. This this <laughs> bow and arrow is boring. It's dumb. It's not interesting. It's a dumb future bow. Like I hate like <laughs> I hate I hate props from future stuff where that it's just, just silver, silver or chrome the, or whatever. For the sake of being uh, silver. Don't like it. Yeah. I mean the arrows look kind of cool, but the bow looks stupid. I'm not a fan of the bow. So <laughs> we this could is just not, spray paint a bow. Yeah, literally could just buy a cheap <laughs> bow and spray paint it silver. I, I'm sorry, uh that patron who upgraded. I won't be getting the I'm not sorry, but I I have to keep looking because I'm not getting the bow from this movie. <laughs> That's for sure. So the when the when the f- melee actually starts, it's mm-hmm. pretty much spot on to what happens in the book. Peta telling her not to like shaking his head at her and her kind of like hesitating. And then she does end up running in and then grabbing the, the backpack, backpack and getting yeah. the knife thrown into it. All that happens exactly the same. The movie makes a very specific choice here to just cut out all the sound and we just get music. Mm-hmm. Okay. That works. I think it works really well. I like how all of this plays out. And I, I mentioned that I do think that it works in the sense too of uh we talked I think it was the Harry Potter episode, one of the one of the Harry Potter episodes, um, where we talked about in high adrenaline, like I was I was comparing it to like sports, but mm-hmm. any sort of high adrenaline kind of moment, you do kind of block out the sound just kind of goes away and you're you're just you're just doing, you're just acting, and you're not really hearing necessarily. You are hearing things, but you're also not. It's very hard to explain. But um, I also will say, so I like that. I think it works in this moment. I will say it's also very easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, boy, you. it's one of those decisions that I will make sometimes where I'm like, this will be really cool, and also it'll be a lot 
lot easier to do than doing <laughs> the sound mixing for this giant melee where there's like fucking a million, a million people fighting on, yeah. like everywhere. Like maybe we just cut all the sound out and just have music and then we won't worry about that. It's like we're going to save so much time. <laughs> all the rest of the sound engineers are like, yes. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, it's one of those moments where it's just like, boy, that's, I mean, it works and it, I get it, but also. <laughs> You may you cut out you shaved off a few days of production <laughs> there. Well done. I also thought that scene was where the shaky cam was at its yes. most effective. I had a note about the shaky cam and being just a little finding it a little annoying that it was used throughout. Some yeah. of the early shots, yeah. like in the during the reaping and stuff, like and, and like the before the Hunger Games ever start, I felt they overused the close up handheld. Mm-hmm. I was actually getting a little like not nauseous, but I was finding it a little annoying to watch at times, yeah. like in that early part. It, it kind of I guess I, I got it, used yeah, to it I, or I something. I think they I don't should know. have made different choices with different filming styles yeah. for this. I think they really could have pulled back and given us a more traditional um, sort of presentation for the pre Hunger Games stuff. Mm -hmm. And then and they do a little bit. I don't know. I just. There was a little bit too much of it in the first half of the movie, but it does work yeah. here. Uh, strapping herself into the tree to go to sleep. Yep. She does that. Yeah. Uh, being annoyed with the person who started the fire and then immediately got killed. <laughs> yeah. I will <laughs> say that when she straps herself into the tree, it makes more sense in the movie because she has like a, a length of rope. In yeah. the book, it's her belt. Which, how big is her belt? I swear it's her it's belt in the book. belt. But it's a normal... I, I, cause she, she says, like, a belt. I thought there was just a belt in the backpack. I, I could have swore it was her belt that she pulled off. And then and I was like, but how did you pull it off and then get it around a tree and your son? I could be wrong. I may be misremembering that. But in the book, or in the movie, it's like a, a length of rope. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peta working with the careers and his whole, like, little... Mm -hmm. Pretending to work with the careers at the beginning and then and being a double agent and whatnot. Uh, and then the fire and the fireballs is exactly like she wakes up and there's just a giant wall of flames. Yeah, giant wall of flames. I'm going to be honest, I don't get the fireballs. It's just more exciting. I, just, it, I guess. I just like the wall of fire was already working and wouldn't it be more exciting to have her fight someone? Like, what if she just straight up got toasted by a fireball and I, then they were like, oops. I agree, because I do think, like, it's always implied that, like, they prefer them to fight. You yeah, know? and she's, like, one of the people that the audience is most interested right. in. Like, where are they so, like, like, why would you risk, risk immediately her with toasting a flaming, her? <laughs> yeah, a flaming uh, bowling ball and just killing yeah. her. Yeah, because, I mean, it almost does kill her. It yeah. hits her leg and, like, lights are on fire. Yeah, that would have been rough. That guy would have got fired. The fire, the fireball guy would have got fucking launched into the sun or something. <laughs> the career tributes do tree her, but they can't shoot her because they're bad at bows and arrows. Yeah. Uh, Hamish sends them some medicine for her burns, and then Rue is in the neighboring tree. Um, like point, tracker, yeah, jacker. tracker jacker ness. Uh, after the tracker jackers fall and she's running and then she remembers to go to go get the bow from Glimmer, I believe mm -hmm. it is. In the book, she has to break Glimmer's fingers. Yeah. Because Glimmer's dead. Like she's she's been stung a million times by the tracker jackers. And she has to like break her fingers. And the description of that whole scene is wild. She realizes later that some of what she was seeing in that moment was not real, was hallucinations mm -hmm. from the tracker jacker venom. But she does have to break Glimmer's fingers. And in the movie, she does grab her fingers and pull them off the bow. And you hear a breaking sound. So I think that's what they were going for, I'm pretty sure. Which yeah. I thought was a yeah. nice little detail to include. Because I remember reading that and being like, Jesus Christ. 
and then Peta telling her to run, and you kind of like can't tell if it's part of her yeah. hallucination or not. Yeah. Uh, they do have the supplies all in a pyramid and then booby trapped with the landmines. Speaking of the landmines, I had this note. I was really disappointed they didn't do it in this one because I thought it would have made a ton of sense. She mentions in the book that in a previous she, she's telling about the landmines. Yeah. And she's like, oh, in one of the previous games, one of the contestants dropped their token, which was like mm-hmm. a baseball or something, and it set off one of the mines and they get like got blown up. And I was like, why didn't they just do that in this one? Yeah, as a because one I, I like have somebody st- and it doesn't even have to be the dropping the token thing at the beginning. They should have had one person try to book it early or something. Yeah, or or, or even yeah. slip or f- whatever, because because I mean, then you have the idea of like, well, they would know that they can't do that, whatever. But like maybe somebody trips or who knows, but have somebody get blown up by the mines because then you establish the mines. Right. Without like without having to explain it, explain again it later. again later. And you get that that moment of just pure like what the fuck like yeah because that's a crazy dramatic like horrifying moment and I think putting that right there at the beginning I guess my only guess is that they didn't want to ruin the the tension build and then the right. the big moment where everybody goes and runs like that's a very dramatic moment I guess they didn't want to I still thought they could I don't know anyways sorry um, Foxface stealing her supplies yes from the book yeah. Uh, Katniss then blowing up the food, uh, and Kato just snaps that the kid from District Three's neck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when Rue dies, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty much spot on from the book. You talked about a couple little changes. One of the things that I do like is that they made in this moment they made it super quiet. Mm-hmm. Like he him. Th- there's no music. And the sound effects are really subtle. Like he throws the spear and you just barely hear it. And then she shoots the arrow and it doesn't make a lot of noise. And it felt very realistic. Mm -hmm. Like it felt really grounded and real and it made it hit even harder like that moment. But then also I really, I don't know if it's a reference or just, or maybe not, but there's an exact framing where she has Rue laying there with the flowers and everything. And she's like kneeling over her and we cut to a shot that is identical to the shot where uh, Aragorn is kneeling over Boromir at the end of Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. The lighting is very similar in my head. I could be wrong. I'll try to go find still frames of both, and I, I'll compare them. But I'm pretty sure that may have been a little nod to the Aragorn-Boromir scene. Who knows? Maybe not. Um, Katniss and Peeta have to hunker down in a cave <laughs> and make kissy face at each other Yeah. for a while. Uh, Foxface was in the cornucopia. Yeah, just clever. So clever. For the feast. Uh, and then the whole feast scene, mm-hmm. including Foxface hiding in it and then getting the stuff and running right off. Um, when Katniss goes out, Clove tackles her and is like taunting her um, and like is going to sit in there threatening to kill her. And then uh, Thresh shows up and, and kills Clove. Yeah. Um, that all plays out similarly. Again, the book version feels a little more brutal than the movie version. In the movie, we just kind of see Thresh hit her against the cornucopia a couple times. Yeah. And she, like, dies, I guess. Whereas in the in the book, he caves her skull in with a yeah. rock. Which, again, I get not wanting to... I don't know. I, there's a line there that is very tough to figure out how to do. It's just... I don't know. <laughs> feel like... The movie didn't quite get to the right side of the line, maybe. 
Uh, they do try to take back their previous rule change about two winners, uh, which causes Katniss to propose double suicide. Yep. Uh, and then I thought this was a little detail that, I, I mean, the dress is slightly different than I imagined, but after they win mm-hmm. the games and they're going their final uh, interview with Caesar, it's stated in the book, we go through a very detailed description of the outfit that Senna, the dress that he made for yeah. um, Katniss in this moment. Um, and she's trying to, kind of looking at it and, and trying to figure out, you know, it's very yeah. different from everything else she's it's worn. It's like a, a loose, flowy, like, like more conservative kind of. Yeah, and she's dress. got like flat shoes and her yeah. hair down with a headband. Yeah, and she's and she's trying to figure out why this look or whatever. And it's um, she realizes that it's it's to make her look more innocent and and yeah. like this young, this young um, innocent uh, star-crossed lover to sell this yeah. story so that the capital doesn't <laughs> exact retribution on them. And I thought her dress in the movie followed that. She kind of looks and they, I don't know if it's on purpose, but. She's wearing this like yellow, almost not ball gown, but like it's almost like a, it's very. They reminded me of uh, like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's like, got like a, a lot of like fluffy kind of fabric and like tulle and stuff, mm-hmm. and and but it's like very light and yellow. And then he's in like a blue. Peta's in like a blue suit or something like that. I don't know. Reminded me of Beauty and the Beast. So. <laughs> and then Hamish warning Katniss. But the capital is upset that she's made them look foolish and forced them to declare two winners. Yes. And that's our big dramatic setup for future books. All right. It's time for a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. One thing that I thought uh, the movie did well which I have here because it doesn't, it's not really like a here or there comparison, um, was using the game commentators to give us information that Katniss just knows. Yeah. But we're not privy to in the movie because we're not inside her head. Yeah. Like like the information about what the tracker jackers, what the tracker are, jackers are. You know, it, in the book, we know that because Katniss knows it. Yeah. In the movie, they use... The commentator. They cut out yeah. to um, Caesar and Claudius Templesmith or whatever yeah. his name is, um, explaining what the tracker jackers are. Yeah. Um, so I thought that, I thought that was a good decision yeah. to yeah. use that. No, use something that's already organic within your story. I also thought it was fun too. I, as much as I was disappointed by the hallucination sequence, I did like Caesar like. <laughs> Uh, a hallucinated Caesar like strolling through yeah. the woods with his umbrella yeah, that was or whatever. Kind of jarring. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> So the we talked about how I don't want the bow and arrow prop yeah. from this, but I was thinking what could be a fun prop because it's like the only other thing I could think of that was kind of cool is the little care packages, mm-hmm. the little parachute care package. That the way it opens, cute. that could be we fun. We could hang it from the ceiling. Yeah, I thought that would be a fun, yeah. a fun prop. Maybe I thought I could we could make that. Yeah, we make it. Well, I also might be able to. Uh, who knows? It's probably probably hard to find. I always yeah. think that I always like, you know, like who like something like that. How many people would actually want to be interested in buying that? But there's like I looked at prop I, I looked at props from black sales one time because yeah. like actual like screen used props. And I was like, this is a show that nobody talks about. I mean, it was pop. You know, it was popular, but like nobody talks about it. You know, it's not like yeah. trying to buy something from Game of Even Thrones. Even though it's amazing. Right. It's not like trying to buy something from Game of Thrones. Right. I'm like maybe this like weird, like, you know, a Billy Bones shirt from <laughs> season three of black sales. It, Four hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> All right, never mind. So yeah, I imagine if you were going to be able to buy the 
the care package from this would probably be yeah exorbitantly priced yeah Yeah. it does seem like i will say it seems like a bad idea to have the parachutes beep loudly yeah as they're coming in but i guess the game makers wouldn't care about that yeah probably not (laughs) i thought the way that this book should have ended personally Mm -hmm. there's like an extra chapter and a half in my opinion in this book that should have just been in the next one maybe maybe is there's this moment where they're getting prepared to go up to the Caesar interview mm-hmm. and Hamish has this, or no, not Hamish. It's not even a Hamish line, but Hamish has mentioned to her that the, um, that the capitals mad at her or whatever. Yeah. And, and blah, blah, blah. And then she, uh, she has this thought as she's like walking out to the stage. Um, this to me felt like this had to be the original final paragraph because this feels like, okay, There are questions to be unraveled back home in the peace and quiet of the woods when no one is watching, not here with every eye upon me, but I won't have the luxury for who knows how long. And right now, the most dangerous part of the Hunger Games is about to begin. That's a total ending line. As her like walking out on stage, like to be confronted by the everybody. To me, I felt like that's where you end it. And then we pick up. I don't know. I I wonder if there was like editing notes, like we need to. We need to have a little bit more of like a denouement yeah. kind of thing, and get her back to District Twelve yeah. so that she can see Pete in the crowd. I don't know. I'd, yeah. I I was like, that's where it should end, and then we deal with all the fallout in the next book. I yeah, don't know. absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like I'm gonna have to wait until book two to see how I feel about the movie popping back to Gale when Katniss and Peeta kiss in the cave, because there was an implication that he was jealous. But I don't actually know what any of Gail's True. thoughts and feelings are yet, so True. I had to withhold judgment on that. I mean, that is the that is. I mean, my, I, I know yeah. that I know that there's a love triangle in this, but I don't. I obviously haven't read them all, haven't seen all the movies, so I don't know what is text love triangle right. and what is popular culture conversations right. surrounding these yeah. love triangles. I don't remember, so I couldn't tell you. So I just I mean, know it gets it's more It's something that I'm really interested to see how I feel about moving forward. Yeah. Because the, the love triangle is a big part of the reason that I did not read these when they came out, because I was so burned by Twilight. I will say this. My memory is that the love triangle in this plays out in a way that I think a lot of people felt was very unsatisfying. mm that's my memory is that a lot of people did not like the way things resolved and i'm interested to see how i feel i don't remember how i don't i truly don't recall what i thought of it i don't recall what happens (laughs) um (laughs) and i don't recall how i felt about it so i'm interested to see on this reading where my feelings go um with how those things move on in the future but all right my last note here when katniss has the cut on her head and Peta smears the medicine on it for her Literally, all I could hear in my head was Simba. <laughs> yeah. Because he, like, takes his thumb. He does he take sm- his thumb yeah. and he smears he it smears, in a crowd. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. I absolutely see what you're saying. All right. We just mentioned Katie has not read or seen mm-hmm. these stories before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because of that, Katie gets to predict the Hunger Games series. It's going to happen, Edward. So I've not read them nor seen the movies. I do know a little bit about what happens just from, like, pop culture osmosis. Right. So in the interests of transparency, here is what I already know about Catching Fire. 
Okay. I know that Katniss and Peeta end up back in the Hunger Games somehow, but yep. I don't know why. Okay. And I know that there is a character with a trident. Yes. Who and why? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a Percy Jackson crossover. One can hope. So here are my predictions for Catching Fire. I did try to keep this a skosh light. Okay. So my predictions. Um, one, Katniss and Peeta will have to live in one of the victors' houses together in order to keep up the pretense of their relationship. Things get awkward. Classic fanfic setup. Interesting. There's only I'm one. I'm gonna do my bed. best not to reveal. Again, I don't recall <laughs> much, but I'll do my best not to reveal what I anything I do recall. Next prediction: Katniss will get depressed from all the PTSD and also from not being able to cross the fence and go into the woods since there's so much attention on her now. Okay. Yep. Yep. Next prediction: Gail will be super jealous and try to fight Peta. And Peta will probably let him win because I feel like that's the type of person Peta is. Oh, okay. Or he might just be like. Didn't I make a prediction like that in Twilight? Yeah, you, you <laughs> did. Had, I make that prediction. You had a big prediction about like Mike trying to fight yes. Edward or something and, like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I was like, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next prediction. Uh, maybe they end up back in the games because the next year's District 12 tributes die somehow. Maybe the train crashes. Mm. And it turns out that the rule for that is that the two previous victors have to step in. Interesting. And my last prediction then is that if that or something similar to that is the case, that Hamish will probably try to go, but PETA won't allow him to do it. Yeah. And those are my predictions for Catching Fire. Ooh, I like that last prediction. That's fun. I don't remember. <laughs> I have a vague idea of uh, of why, but I can't be sure. So I won't say anything. We'll be starting on Catching Fire. Um, I bought us two used copies of it through Thrift Books and somehow accidentally purchased two large print copies. Yep. So... We will not. No we will not have any eye strain <laughs> while we're reading this. Fantastic. All right, before we get to the final verdict, we wanted to remind you that you can do us a gigantic favor by heading over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us there for two, five or 15 bucks or more a month. And you get access to different things at each level. Two bucks a month, you get early access and ad free, which we don't have ads right now. But if we ever do, you'll get them ad free at five bucks. You get all that stuff from two plus at five bucks, you get all that stuff from two. Plus you get a uh, bonus content where we at least once a month, we record a bonus episode where we talk about some piece of media or something that we've been watching recently. Uh, we've done a bunch of movie reviews recently and discussions uh, from some patron requests. Uh, we did a recent patron poll where the next few are going to be whatever the movies that we had been wanting to watch uh, the patrons picked. And we're going to be talking about them. the next one, this current month that we'll be doing in the next week or two is parasite. Mm -hmm. So if you want to hear us discuss parasite, uh, head over over to Patreon and support us for five bucks a month there. Uh, and at $15 level, you get all that stuff. Plus, you get priority recommendations. So if you support us at 15 bucks, you request something, we throw it in the hopper. Uh, right now, we're a ways out. So it's going to yeah. be a while. If you if you sign yeah. up, full disclosure, it's you're going to be uh, six months or so before we get it's, to... We're, we're fully booked out through the end of this yeah. year. So. Yeah, we're fully booked. But uh, you can still do that uh, if you... You know, and here's the thing. We have people who are who who have requests that are building up. We have patron requests that are building up into next year already. So 
a couple, right? Yeah, least, yeah, uh, yeah. Not a ton, but a but we we do our best to work them in as soon as we can, as quickly as we can. Um, so that's what you get there. Um, uh, an- another thing that I want to mention that we haven't really talked about um, is that something else that you get at all levels on Patreon. Oh is, yeah, I always um, forget about this. I announce the next months, like at the end of every month, I announce what the books and movies are for the next month. Yeah. So you have that in advance. Yeah. If you want to read along with us, um, watch along with us, yeah. you'll know what we're going to be covering. A little bit further out than everybody else. So on yeah. uh, on social media, which is the other thing we wanted to mention, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads. On social media, specifically Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we announce like a week or two ahead of time, right? Roughly. Like a week A week-ish, yeah. roughly, ahead of time, what we're going to be doing uh, for those the next episode. So you can... You'll get, you get a head start there. In our summer series, you obviously get a bigger head start. Right. We announced the whole series at the, at the beginning. Um, but you get it, uh, like like Katie said, like a whole month ahead of time if you support us at any level on Patreon. But uh, on social media, follow us and interact. The uh, mainly thing we like is give us feedback on these episodes. We have polls, and we want your comments because we read and discuss them on the prequel episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's another good reason to listen to the prequel episodes. Uh, also, they're good. So... <laughs> <laughs> Our learning thing segments are great. People just, I'm not saying, people listen to the prequel episodes, just not as much as the main episodes. You're missing out. That's all I'm saying. All right. It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. So I found this to be a really difficult one to decide. Overall, I think the movie does a fantastic job of capturing most of what makes the hunger games, the book work, Uh, the dystopian future setting, the absurd believability of the hunger games as a premise. And the performances do a really good job reflecting the characters in the book. And some of them even elevate the characters in the book. There are no major changes here. There are a couple smallish to medium changes, but nothing crazy big. Like it it is a very faithful adaptation. I think the movie does a few things better than the book, like adding the District 11 riot scene, giving Cato that realization in his final moments, uh, the expansion of Seneca Crane in the game maker's roles, and there are some truly elevating performances, specifically from Jennifer Lawrence, Elizabeth Banks, Lenny Kravitz, and Woody Harrelson. To me, those are the four that stand out Mm -hmm. the most. But I think the film does miss out on a bit of some of the realism and brutality of the book that really helps drive home the depravity of the games. The book does not shy away at all from describing the absolute horrific things that contestants go through and how hopeless it all constantly feels. The movie goes there as much as I think it can with a PG-13 rating, but it doesn't quite get to the gut-wrenching level that I think would have been effective and is really effective in the book. I find Katniss to be a really fascinating character to read and being in her head and seeing how she thinks is super interesting. I think Jennifer Lawrence did about as good of a job at portraying the Katniss of the book as you could, but I found myself missing the ability to hear her think through situations because I just found it super interesting and her character super compelling. I felt that in both the book and the movie, the social commentary and the thematic messaging started out incredibly strong then gets lost a little bit during the actual games before picking up again back at the end. I found myself excited to get to the next book and see where things are going because I truly do not remember. Ultimately, I'm going to pick the book, but only by like the smallest of margins. Uh, This was a really well-crafted film that made a bunch of really smart, small changes that did add to the story, but I think I just missed being in Katniss's head a bit too much to pick it over the book. 
I'm not having as much trouble choosing as you are. Okay. For me, it was pretty unequivocally the book. I liked the movie, and I thought it was a very good adaptation that both nailed a lot of the material and also made some good changes here and there, as you said. But I think you're right that the movie can't get away with the sheer brutality of the book. And while the social commentary is present in both, I think being in Katniss's head in the book makes it really crystallize. So much of the horror and the brutality of this world is depicted via errant thoughts and observations that we get from her. It's horrific. It's also totally normal to her. And I don't think the movie quite nails that. And that is the primary reason that I'm giving this one to the book. I agree completely. 100%. 100%. That's it for the first epically long episode. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock at night, almost. <laughs> we started recording this after dinner. Uh, of the first uh, of our summer series, thank you for sticking around if you did. I, we know they're long, but I think people, there are most listened to episodes. Yeah. So I think people enjoy the the. I think it's a, crippling... it's a particular type of fan that likes these deep dives. Yes. And we're here for you guys. We're here for you because that's, I mean, to be fair, and that's why we only do these four hour long, three hour long episodes for the summer series, for these yeah. books that are so wildly popular that, you know, there people have lots of really strong feelings about them. And I know I like listening to people passionately debate and discuss uh, some of their favorite uh, books and movies um, in great detail. And we don't want to miss anything. So we, you know, we, we go a little longer than normal, um, but we hope you enjoy that and we hope you appreciate it. Katie, what's next? Up next, we are starting maybe a new tradition. We'll see how oh, yeah. we feel we'll see about how it, it after this summer. Uh, we are going to each do a birthday pick yeah. this summer. So coming up next, we have your mm -hmm. birthday pick, which is the book Hatchet. Yes. And the movie A Cry in the Wild. Yes. I'm a little, oh, I'm not worried about this one. Uh, the book is very popular or mm -hmm. was very popular. The movie is like non-existent. Yeah. Uh, we will. I will say this here in case people are still listening. We'll talk about it in the prequel episode. You can watch this movie in whole on YouTube. So mm -hmm. that helps. That's one of the reasons I'm okay with doing it because it's available on YouTube. And we'll share it out on yeah. Facebook and Twitter. Yes. And it's like the full legal version on YouTube is what it seems like. Um, but anyways, uh, I this was one of my favorite books as a kid. Mm -hmm. I read it dozens of times. Uh, it's also a pretty short book, so that'll help. <laughs> Uh, and I've never read it. Yeah. So we're doing this like a switch episode. You're going to yes. reread um, and I'm just going to watch the movie. I'm, I'm told yep. this one is a childhood classic, but I did not read it. Yes. So. And we're going to discuss that. Why maybe you didn't read it yeah. and I did in the prequel episode. So come back in yeah, one we're week's gonna, time. We're going to float a theory on that. We're going to break down some interesting ideas in the next prequel episode about why Katie didn't read Hatchet and I did and why I didn't read what is it? Um, a, a, a laundry list well, yes. of ones from my childhood. Yeah. A uh, little house on the prairie, Island of the blue dolphins, <laughs> Julie of the wolves. Yes. And yeah. So we're going to discuss that on the prequel episode, but uh, I'm hoping people are uh, interested to hear us talk about hatchet. I, I have never seen this movie. I knew mm -hmm. there was a movie that they did uh, based on it, but I've never seen it. I'm sure I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I love this book. I read this book. Like I said, dozens of times as a kid, it was one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, Hatchet uh, in two weeks time 
should be fun uh, for my birthday. Uh, and then we'll get back to the catching fire mm-hmm. after that. So until that time, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Keep do I go? Books. Do I, yeah, don't you go there? Am I? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you didn't say anything, so I got confused. I thought <laughs> I'm already in my head about it, and then I'm sorry. And then you didn't say anything, so I was like, "What did I? Do I go?" I think I got confused too. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being awesome. And maybe odds be heavy. <laughs>